Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. And welcome to the Golden Collective Podcast. The subtitle for this show today is We've Got Galley Envy. Yes, everybody's hanging out at Galley at the moment. And hanging out on the telephone due to audio issues is Mr. Dave AC. Hello, Dave. Yeah, I've been relegated. I was just about to say at the beginning of the show, it's Colton, where everybody is your sidekick and nobody's a secondary character. But for the moment, <laughs> I'm a bit sidelined on the phone and I'm hoping that someone's making a local recording because I'm not. <laughs> Mike, I think uh, he's staring in your direction. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well... There's a bunch of people joining us in the room. Uh, One of them is in a convention right now. We won't say which one. We'll keep it as a surprise for later. Anyway, joining us is Mr. Charlie P79. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Ian. Hello, Dave. Hello, everybody. Still the frozen north, you know. What do you do? 12 (laughs) inches of snow. We're supposed to get 12 (laughs) inches of snow before tomorrow. I've mentioned 12 inches before. It's not been snow, though. Yeah. Anyway, moving swiftly on, Mr. Dar Skeptical. Hello, sir. Speaking of 12 inches, hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, sir. Very good. <laughs> nice of you to notice. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. Oh, you can tell which way the show is going already, folks. <laughs> All right, also joining us, an earlier version of myself. It's Mr. Graham, the second Doctor, Sheridan. <coughs> Come in, too. So, I, I believe uh, Jamie is with our guest, hmm? Mm, yes, yes, Jamie is hanging out with a certain person. Yes, <laughs> Jealous. <sighs> yeah, just a bit. Just a bit, just a bit, just a bit. And also joining us on audio, he's been absent here and there and everywhere. Very busy school person he is. Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ian. Hello, Dave. And hello, the rest of the Colton Collective. Yay! He's here. All right. And speaking of the rest of the Colton Collective, it's time to lower the cone. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. What? All right, joining us under the cone is Logan. Logan Starr. Is, is that star on your hand? Is it turned red yet? Uh, <laughs> uh, Jedi Justice also joins us. Steve, 1961 Law. Willis Girl, hi. And Cybob is holding down the fort under the cone, along with uh, Guest 11 and Guest 12. 
It's a very nice dress you've got on Guest 12. Did you get that at Macy's? Uh, never mind. Alrighty, uh, let's do a quick little uh, test here. Dave, are you there, sir? No, he's not. Moving on. <laughs> You only yeah. got a short window of opportunity there, Dave. That's it. All right, one person that we've forgotten that's got audio anyway. It's the Typing Monkey. It's news time. Yes, he's. Go, Type Monkey, go. There yeah, I was waiting for Graham to say it. <laughs> oh, no, no, I was in concentration for a second there. Oops. <laughs> Oh, one of these days. Somebody's going to have to record that so we don't have to wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Yes, uh, the small pause was trying to get Dave on the show, and uh, apparently that's not working. No, he's singing... uh, (laughs) Would you stop it? The typing monkey has been let out of the lab temporarily just to join us for news. Right after this, he's going back into the lab. Um, He's been making a, a... little uh, uh, trips out into the the, 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 cult, the main lobby to uh, pick up items of use. I don't know what the heck he's doing in there, but it's obviously very, very important. But uh, we'll get back to you when we find out what it is he's been working on and uh, hopefully reveal it on the show. There's a mystery afoot. <sighs> All right, it's news time. And since nobody really has any news, apart from the fact that Graham just discovered Mad Dogs, what do you think of it, sir? William enjoyed it thoroughly, and it might be a chance for next year for Philip McLenister to... Oh dear, he's going to be up against <laughs> Doctor Who again, won't he? Oh, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Doctor Philip yeah. back. Oh, he's probably going to be up against Marchlands as well. Yeah, as well, which I'm trying to watch at the same time, because... Oh, yes. yes, oh dear. Very nice. And, and um, uh, you get another person on... on Cast of Marchlands, and I forgot their name now. Beryl, 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 Beryl. Anyway, <laughs> she was in she was in Smith and Jones, and yeah. she was also in. Um, come on, Darth, help me out here. You know who I'm talking about. Ah, never mind. It'll Sorry. come to me halfway through the show. Who are you looking for? Somebody named Beryl. That... Uh, she was she was the, the the vampire lady in Smith and Jones. Um. Oh, Anne Reed. Anne Reed. Beryl. I was thinking Beryl Reed, you know. No. Anne Reed, <laughs> yes. She's also in Marchlands as well. <laughs> Very good she is as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. She's dead, dead creepy in Marchlands. Mm. Yes. I'm afraid but Dave's doing, the, well. uh, Dave's doing the, uh, the Art and Garfunkel song, isn't he? <laughs> Sound of silence. Yes, hurry up, Dave, and get in here. I'm sinking. <laughs> oh, what are you thinking about? Anyway... All right, the only other news that we have is we have our very own Mr. Tim Drury. I actually was trying to work on an intro for you, but uh, suffice to say, this is it. Now, joining us live from Gallifrey 22 in Los Angeles, California, it's Mr. Tim Drury. Hello, Ian. Hello, everybody. And I could prove how live it is just by opening my door and letting you hear the planes go by, because we really (laughs) are that close to the airport. Between that and the noisy air conditioner, it's been a struggle to sleep in this place. After about 24 hours, I finally tackled the air con, and I defeated it. But others here, including, um, I think it's Phil Ford, 
or it may have been James Moran. No, I think it was Phil Ford was suffering from the same problem as me and carping on about it on Twitter. And I think James Moran, who's also here, got back to him and said, I will tell you the solution. And I found it myself, even though it doesn't appear to have an off button. Anyway, (laughs) Anyway, I have in front of me my famous Gallifrey ribbons, not remotely as long as some people's collection. On the first night of LobbyCon, uh, I met a girl in the lift who at this point had hit 54, and later I heard reports she'd hit at least 60 and is possibly still the record holder. Uh, A couple of the highlights on mine are Spectrox Keeps Me Young, Time Lords Are Sown, Not Loomed, uh, The Short (laughs) Bus of Podcasts from The Happiness Patrol, and one that someone literally found for me in the lobby last night that sums up the whole experience. Definitely not in Kansas. (laughs) All right. So, um, how how is everything going? I mean, we've we've seen pictures, well, of course. I'll, uh, everybody's been following I'll, I'll the. I'll briefly uh, tell you of of something off piste that is not on the convention schedule, and that's that the night I arrived, I was invited onto the radio free Skyro podcast, and they had a little pre-production meeting or two, and then we gathered in the lobby and recorded the show for an hour, and uh, during that show, which I think's two three eight. You will hear an aside at one point uh, where someone sat opposite me says, and Fraser Hines has just walked in. And at which point we all turned round and went, oh, he is. And he was literally about two meters behind me. And we then, we then had to get on with the show. And then I turned round again and he'd gone. So <laughs> that was about all I saw of him. And I'm trying to think if I've seen him elsewhere this weekend because it's been a bit of a blur. But I'll, I'll, I will tell you how the thing itself kicked off. Uh, I did not sleep particularly well on the Thursday. Uh, my Friday started with a, uh, a less than an hour panel, really, in one of the smaller rooms called Gallifrey 101, which was basically Sean Lyon and all the organizers telling us all about Gallifrey, how it's organized, uh, the, the history of it a bit, and uh, sort of anything you may need to know, and who to contact if you've got questions and that sort of thing. Uh, I was sat next to Trev from the Doctor Who podcast, and apparently I fell asleep on a couple of occasions, but um, uh, I will say nothing further on that front. Uh, I then dived over to the uh, Atlanta room, I think this was there. No, that was later. No, I then dived in over to the main hall to see Matthew Waterhouse, who was extremely good value. Uh, he got telling us stories of uh, working with various directors, and I can't remember the director in question, but he described one of them as extremely panicky, and he did a little impression of him, and he, and he said, every time you show up for work at day, he said, okay, okay. And he said other directors were way more laid back, and they'd like be really relaxed and explain the scenes to you, and he said, that's how you work with actors. You don't get all panicky. And so that was Matthew Waterhouse. He was very good value, and... Uh, uh, being interviewed by Tim Hurst of Hurst Books. And uh, then after him, I saw Ian McNeese, famous for uh, Churchill in Victoria, Victory of the Daleks. Uh, he, he too was good fun, if slightly blue. <laughs> Particularly uh, for time. Slightly blue? Uh, well, where he, he... Oh, I see, language He wise. kind of started... <laughs> 
in more mildly a, a theme that continued at an event that I'll tell you about later as things progress. On. One one but, second, just interrupt you one second there. Dave, come in. No, back to you, Tim. Anyway, <laughs> so it's at this point strategizing and clock watching kicked in because I was going to head over to Radio Free Scaru live and in 3D. Sadly, I'd left my glasses at home, so I had to make do with 2D. But uh, uh, they put uh, their their live taping on stage for the first time. It normally hides in the lobby. Or... Oh, oh, you're here, Dave. Dave? <laughs> yeah? Dave, we hear you. Oh, blimey. All right, I'll shut up now and listen to Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say it. You said it yourself. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, uh, anyway. All, all I can say is Stephen Schapansky in 3D. There you go. If he's listening to this now, he'll feel uneasy. <laughs> I'm I have made him feel uneasy yeah. enough on Twitter. <laughs> I thought he's dressed up as one of the Vashti Narada. Hmm. Oh, oh, calm, calm down, calm down. Anyway, as I say, <laughs> Radio Friscaro live in 3D, which was my best piece of camcorder footage yet, because I'm armed with my Gorilla Pod, which allows me to wrap... Uh, itself around a chair and then put the camcorder dead steady and after after that there was a sort of tongue-in-cheek race between me and them they'd recorded audio I'd recorded video who could get it online quicker they won end of story <laughs> <laughs> too long a story and too technical to go into here um, oh dear now what did I do next um, oh yes after that Concrud hit me because uh, I'd not slept overly well on the first night. I'd had about three hours, and I literally hit an energy wall at um, about six o'clock that night, and I came up here and collapsed, and I kept thinking, well, it's the opening ceremony is at 6.30. If I feel remotely better by then, I'll I'll head down, but I didn't. So I stayed up here and I had to miss the opening ceremonies, which apparently was rather good and did consist of, and it's already on YouTube, a new video by Peter Davison, uh, which, is which was rather funny. I'll not spoil the gags in it. It was rather funny. Yeah. But it, was it, it, it was basically a continuation of the one he shot last year and uh, there was another cameo in it and I won't spoil the surprise. But yeah. it, it is on YouTube. You'll probably find it quite easily by just typing in opening ceremonies video. An easier way, just to turn if you don't mind me interrupt, an easier way, if you go along to the Gallifrey Embassy, I'll put it up on the blog there. Yeah, yeah, good old Graham. All over the blog. It's, it's and, hilariously um, funny. Yeah, I did uh, cross paths with Fraser Hines again because I recovered enough to uh, get to, I missed the start of it, but to at least catch uh, the last hour or so of Fraser Hines, the time-travelling Scot. I wasn't on entirely good form for this, but I did catch most of it. And it, it was kind of like a sort of live uh, DVD extra, because he had a sort of DVD or laptop, and someone in the tech crew was playing clips slightly slower than he wanted them to, and he'd uh, tell you little reminiscences and memories and sort of gags related to the clips. And it was quite fun. And then after that was something I didn't know whether I'd enjoy. And for me, it was the surprise hit of day one. Uh, they call themselves in the uh, schedule Mystery Theatre 337. And basically, it's Mystery Science Theatre, Doctor Who style. 
and they rather rudely introduced themselves to us with their backs to the audience and proceeded to watch uh, uh, a movie version of Castrovalva and talk over it and tell the most hilarious and at times slightly blue gags, but really, really, really funny. And I thought I wouldn't remotely enjoy that, and it was so funny. And that that, that was um, kind of Sean Lyon's secret weapon, because I didn't realize we'd see him on stage much this weekend. I thought he'd be just sort of backstage organizing things, and he was one of this crew, and oh, it was so funny. And we so need to do that kind of thing at UK cons because UK cons are very good, but they tend to be about the panels and and about taking the show fairly seriously. And now and again, it's just good to throw caution to the wind and do funny things. Um, Let me think. After that, they had the Paradise Island dance party, which I attended for all of 10 seconds. Thought I was knackered. (laughs) Day two, Saturday. Yesterday, apparently, although it still feels like Saturday to me. Uh, This started with me diving out for a takeaway meal because I had to get back for uh, the DVD showing of an upcoming extra called Come In Number Five about the Fifth Doctor era presented by David Tennant. Um, To cut a very long story short, I didn't manage to catch this because it was a piece of organizational uh, chaos, unfortunately, and uh, they uh, did not get the thing on quick enough for me, who had to dive out because they wanted to get to the podcasting panel. So uh, I dived a few doors down to the podcasting panel, which was very good. And as I said at the end of it, I think that's the best podcasting panel I've seen at a con yet. We had a wide variety of people, mostly relatively new to podcasting. Uh, Laura from the Oodcast, um uh, I forget the girl's name, but she's from the Little Finnish podcast. Uh, we had Uncle Lou from Happiness Patrol. Uh, we had someone whose name I've forgotten. And it was all um, chaired by Stephen Szypanski. I think I said that right. Calm down, Ian. Calm down. <laughs> well, wasn't, it just slightly, wasn't it just slightly incomplete, this panel? Weren't they missing one particular podcast? Well, they were missing the Colton Collective. Ah. Oh, last John. I had organised it as an email saying, oh, I've not been doing this podcasting lock as long as those Podshock types, but nobody invited <laughs> me on. So I, I sat in like the second row and shot video of the whole thing, recorded it all to put out probably when I get home. So you'll all hear it in full, but uh, no, apparently they didn't want me just as well. They, that's it. They had Paul of Pharos Project instead. So... My part of the country, more or less, was represented. And it it was a very interesting panel because basically they'd all taken different uh, stances on the podcasting thing, different ways of doing it, different attitudes, different um, things. And and Paul, for example, was saying, uh, well, how how he, he got into fandom, the social side of it, by going to the Fitzroy Tavern in London, and he said, well, if we ever did a podcast, it should just be us two sitting down or us three sitting down, getting drunk and talking about Doctor Who like we do down the pub once a month anyway. And so that's exactly what they did. Um, let's just see, what did I do next? 
while you're thinking, I've just put the links in for the people to to T Jury's Twitter page and to your YouTube page at T Jury. Yeah, I think I hit another jet lag wall around this point because I can't think what I did. But um, yeah, I got back to things at uh, 3 p.m. in the main hall for the Sarah Sutton Janet Fielding panel, which was very good. I've seen uh, both of them, uh, or at very least Sarah on uh, a UK convention stage before, but it was a genius idea having them both on at once, and they had Clayton Hickman interviewing them, and it was it was it was at times quite tongue in cheek, and um, it, it got it got quite fun, and Clayton dived off the stage and rushed around the audience with a mic, and it was very very good. Um, after that was another very interesting highlight for me. Um, uh, they had uh, Neil Gorton and Rob Meyer from uh, Millennium Effects. You may ask, why are they in the country at the moment? Well, they explained that they're here because Lady Gaga wanted them for the Grammy Awards, something I haven't even seen yet, but apparently she did something quite extreme look-wise for the Grammys this year. And somehow she'd heard about their great firm, and uh, they were brought over to do her look. Yeah, yeah. She arrived uh, in an egg. I saw that. I right. saw that. So I also heard one of the major networks over here actually interviewed her while she was still in the egg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. Oh, only in America. Anyway, so um, the, 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 this uh, was basically uh, an hour of them compressing down a makeup job that would normally take more than two to turn a, a, a surprisingly willing Gary Russell into, in his words, a very sexy Silurian. <laughs> and so it started with, uh, they'd found a back piece for his head and that sort of hit it, sat on him as a sort of half helmet. And they'd uh, already struck a mold of his face and most of the hour was them very carefully applying uh, the front piece that fit his face and creating all the delicate contours. And then they started painting it, which they explained they'd normally do before they put it on the face, but they thought they'd do it on the face to show us that technique. And sadly, they ran out of time, and it got near the end, and Neil was saying, we'll finish this backstage and Gary Russell was not seen the rest of the day, certainly by me. There may be photos floating around the internet somewhere, what he got up to, but I have absolutely no idea what happened next. Uh, then loyalty on my part kicked in because the room rapidly filled up with people because Peter Davison was going to be on stage. I wasn't at this panel, but I can tell you secondhand from other people what I've heard about it. Apparently it was very good, but it has been criticized for being a little bit stage-managed because uh, at one point, Peter Davison was talking about Janet Fielding. Janet Fielding was seen lingering in the TARDIS on stage for about five minutes and then joined in the panel for the rest of it, and it turned into a sort of knockabout thing, a bit like their DVD commentaries. And Apparently, it was very entertaining, but it's been criticized for being a little bit sort of stage-managed. Uh, so yeah. anyway, I meanwhile had dived along the hall to catch fans behaving badly, which was a very interesting discussion, mostly by writers, 
but they also had um, Criticismic Sigma of the Udcast, and it was basically about the way uh, writers and actors and that are so available these days thanks to Twitter and Facebook and all these forums. And is it a good thing? And they went into some of the... And I can't really mention some of the things that got mentioned because it's a little nasty. But uh, it was quite jaw-dropping, some of the things that people get confronted with on 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 forums and it was a very interesting panel and i almost joined in the discussion but sadly they ran out of time and well i'll fi i'll finish off quickly to say that i attended the masquerade which was a very long queue extremely long queue but we did all get in uh, it started by Sean coming up on stage and telling us that we have a record attendance this year of 2,000. And I can believe it. Uh, the Masquerade was very, very good. A couple of quick highlights from me was someone who'd gone one better and a lady had created her own Silurian costume and mask and makeup and was later seen that evening dashing around the lobby con being a Silurian. <laughs> it was quite yeah. fun. And the other main highlight of that was there was a Tiki Dalek to join in the... Um, the, uh, the oh, and the, I have to tell you that one of the first people on stage, and I think this may have been Uncle Lou, uh, was a dancing giant Fez. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that that was followed before the results of it by just a minute, uh, which, because Paul Cornell was wanted by another convention back in London, was hosted by Mr. Tony Lee, and was very entertaining, and uh, because it starred Ian McNeese, was even bluer than his panel earlier in the day. <laughs> I can't remember if I got any video of it. Maybe not. Uh, after that, there was some band performed called Tang. Tanuki suit right who I didn't catch so I don't know what it was like um, I don't think I did anything else after that apart from a fair bit of socializing on Second Life and back in the uh, halls uh, another little thing to add is that uh, the lobby can get quite noisy with Muzak and with loud chatter, and so on at least a couple of occasions, people have created their own literally underground lobby con. And on the Friday night, it was a bunch of us podcasters discussing things I cannot tell you here because they might be libelous. But it was very interesting. It was mostly a discussion of other podcasters, but I can't really tell you anything more than that. Uh, and then last night, and sadly they'd run out of chairs, so I couldn't hang out with them. It was Uncle Lou and a few friends of his. And Uncle Lou and one of their one of the friends had uh, found their uh, ukuleles, and they were singing little songs to each other. And it, oh, it was so much fun. I could have, if I'd have found a chair to steal, I would have hung around with them the rest of the night. But instead, I went. I was just um, going to jump in for our around listeners to, too long and then went to bed. Yeah, just for our listeners, that uh, Uncle Lou is from the Happiness Patrol. Some of our may not be aware of that. If you get a chance to meet him or Tardis Tara, do they're top people? They're very nice. Tara, I've already uh, nicknamed Auntie Tara because she's the mum and family member member that we've all left at home. 
She's, <laughs> she gets one of the most sensible bits of information I've had so far, and that's that, uh, I, word of warning, if you come to this event, you will get tired, but do not, I repeat, do not drink U.S. energy drinks. Uh, to um, quote Tara, and I can't use swear words on this show, but they put all sorts of stuff in them. I, ha- I had one the night I talked to her on, uh, I can't remember if it was the Friday or the Saturday, and within about 15 minutes, my head was whizzing, and I felt quite unwell. The, the whizzing slowed down to a sort of walking through mud sensation, and uh, then I had a short chat with her, and she was very nice, and she just said, look, go back to your room, lie down. And that was when I missed the opening ceremonies, but uh, I felt so much better just having... I couldn't sleep, because my rind was racing, but I lay down. So do not touch the energy drinks. They're not like UK ones. UK ones are really mild. The ones here are really powerful. Right, can I just Uh, stop you there before you go... Sorry (laughs) I'm taking over the show, but it has been quite a full (laughs) week. Yep. Uh, Uh, Just to finish up. I was just going to say, uh, Lewis's uh, pod shock has uh, got to go live yet. It's coming up to quarter to eight here in the evening as we record this. Uh, and I think that means it's coming up to 12 where you yeah. are. So it's two hours about, to go till... About a couple of 10. hours ago. Uh, last time I saw Lou was rather late last night in the lobby, uh, still preparing for it. And I won't spoil the surprise, but I may know what one of their guests are. Either that or there's a lookalike walking around. Great. Thanks. Well, we'll leave it at that. Hmm. Well, thank you very much for all your information, Tim. And uh, just before you uh, uh, disappear into the background, if you'd let everybody know where they can uh, listen to your podcast, I will, Tim I will take on so they I will can find out everything else that happens. Some links into the chat. Uh, my podcast, which I have managed to somehow inhumanly squeeze an episode out of while I'm here, you can find over at timstakeon.co.uk. Uh, there are a fair few photographs, almost 200 now, up on my uh, Flickr site. Uh, I've had to start getting selective with what I put online because I've been taking so many. Um, YouTube is uh, home to uh, many a video I've been shooting. Uh, I've got quite a few of the panels up online in full. Uh, so for you people that feel like you're missing out, you can at least see some of the stuff that I've um, experienced. Um, I'm all tabs and links here. Uh, yeah, I've already put them in, the, them in Tim. Your, your TwitPick uh, page and, of course, your T-Jury on Twitter, and if anybody wants to follow more information about this, uh, the easiest thing to do if you use Twitter is just to put a search with the galley, with the hashtag in front of it, and you'll see all the tweets, even if you're not following particular people, if they put that galley uh, with a hashtag in, you'll be able to catch all their tweets, and with the new Twitter, you can actually view their uh, pictures and what have you within Twitter itself. So I'll, I'll, I'll end briefly... Uh, Dave, by telling you who who should have the um, the the Tim Drawy Award for sheer uh, madness of an attendee, and on the first night Slobbycon on the Thursday, uh, I was sat down uh, with um, a couple of friends, 
when a guy dives over to me, he bangs me on the back. And it's someone who knows me only really through Twitter and Facebook. And he goes, Tim, and says hello to me. It turned out to be a guy called Jeffers from the Goodies podcast. He'd come an awful long way. He lives on the east coast of Australia. He'd been traveling for 32 hours and was more awake than some of us that had been traveling for a third of that time. I don't know what he was on. I don't want to know what he was on. (laughs) He's the life and the soul of the party. He's made his own replica Bill Oddie goodies shirt. He's a really fun guy. And if you ever cross paths with him, just do. Because he's he's really funny. And, um, well, I don't really have anything more to add. Uh, So um, I'm going to disappear off and try and find out what's going on. I have certain plans for later in the day. Uh, Possibly dinner with the Staggering Stories team who've promised to take me to Denny's, which is the nearby diner I keep missing because I'm so scared of getting lost. I keep going to Burger King because I know where that one is. And I'm actually getting lost trying to find that. I hope it lives up to the hype, Tim. (laughs) I hope it lives up to the hype. (laughs) Well, yeah, I've already had, um, when I was looking around Los Angeles, I, I had lunch in a gorgeous 50s-style diner right near um, a shopping center called the Farmer's Market. And the driver of the bus tour gave us an hour, thinking, oh, well, we'll have time to grab fast food and look around the shopping mall. And I thought, grab fast food? Look round shopping mall? No, I'm going to sit here and slowly eat me lunch. And I had the most gorgeous apple pie I have tasted in my life. Okay, so I can will we leave be it back there, to America please. eventually, if only for the food. <laughs> so, all right, bye, thanks, folks, and have have a good show. And I'm sorry I dominated yep. it so much. Oh, that's right. Thanks for all the info. Um, and uh, enjoy the rest of the con. Say hi yep. to Lewis and Ken and everybody. Yep. Yes, we'll do. I'll pass on your regards. See you guys. Bye. Thanks a lot, Tim. Bye. All right. <laughs> well, we just uh, recovered from that. Okay, great. And uh, but uh, just yeah, say, uh, thanks, Tim. No follow-up information. Have... Take it all at once. But yeah, great. yeah. I didn't. I didn't have any news, but I did want to make an apology. If you are on Facebook and you got multiple invites to the show, I do apologise. It looked as though Facebook wasn't sending out the things. So I did about three times. So if your inbox has been uh, inundated, please don't uh, come away from that. It, it was just an error on my part. Since we're making a few today, but uh, nonetheless uh, I'll hand back to Ian Well actually I was just getting ready to hand over to you because that's that's all we have for news, we never really any news apart from Tim, so uh, it's all on you mate well, <laughs> Welcome let me to just, the topic Well actually, actually no, let, no, there let, is let me, ju- let me just try one thing, let me see I, I'm not even sure the way my setup is now, whether you'll hear it if I play any clips, so I'll try and play the clip from Andy, and if okay. it doesn't play uh, I might have to leave you. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a sick client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Thank you.
or you can connect him directly via the Shoe Phone Find if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Oh, well, thank you, Andy. <laughs> oh, Dave's fully functional. That means I can nip off for a coffee, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just about, yeah, I think so. Um, let me uh, thank uh, everybody for that little bit of late start we had. We all seem to have some sort of issues uh, thereabouts. Obviously, if you're a person that doesn't come on the show live and mainly listens to our recordings, uh, even though the odd blemish might show now and again, you get a pretty good idea of, uh, or you won't get an idea of what's uh, of the feet waving under the water uh, like little ducks. I was about to say earlier, and I don't know that it was. Uh, are you okay? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> just what's happening? Sorry. No, just <laughs> just the, the visualization of the little ducks with their feet. No, never mind. Well, you know, it's like it's like it's like the it's like the duck going along in the water. It looks very calm and serene, but the feet are puzzling like mad underneath. <laughs> no, it's just the visual imagery that got me giggling. I don't know why. <laughs> you and your twelve-inch feet. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> why? Thank you. <laughs> yes, it's all Charlie's well, I, fault. Uh, let's I move along. Time is going on. This space today. Uh, is why we mourn our missing galley is um, non-who sidekicks and secondary characters. So we're talking about uh, obviously nothing to do with Doctor Who, although I suppose the Sarah Jane adventures may and Torchwood may get a luck in. But we're talking about those characters that uh, that gravitate and uh, circle around the major uh, hero of any uh, science fiction and TV uh, program that we watch. I have got a couple of links, but we're not going to, I don't think, necessarily follow those slavishly. Um, I'll put one link up there, which is from uh, uh, CuriousFanboys.com, and another one from SciFiNow.com. Let me just put these links in. that will give an idea of some of the sorts of programs that we may be considering um, uh, covering. Um, I'm going to start on fairly um, safe ground for myself uh, and possibly for many of our listeners, if not the people in the room, and that is uh, one of the shows that probably has the strongest number of uh, sidekicks and probably one of the more well-established ones, although I know not everybody in the cult uh, listens to it, is uh, Buffy. So I'm going to start with uh, what some people uh, favourite uh, sidekick to Buffy is and that is Willow. Here's just a little clip I managed to find of Willow and Buffy together and then I'll get Anisar's into the topic. Steve, well, that each individual participates fully in the construction of his or her own life. Good, and who can expand on that? Chuck! Well, those on the latter side of the theoretical no. divide stress it. I'm not following this too well. Oh, the trick is to get in the rhythm. Just kind of go with the flow. Oh, going will be a lot easier if your classmates were such a big brain. Buffy, that's ridiculous. They are no smarter than you or me. Willow. Because social phenomena don't have unproblematic objective existences. They have to be interpreted and given meanings by those who encounter them. Nicely put. So, Ruby, does that mean there are countless realities? What? You're not dumb, just rusty. Maybe I should ease back in with some non-taxing classes, like introduction to pies or maybe advanced walking. Hey, I go. She did fine. Sociology, not a big fave. 
you in like Mike? Oh, look, it's fine. I, I just need to spend a little more time reacclimating, you know, to get back into the space. Oh. Hey! You can at least say sorry, Bruto. Everybody's in a hurry. Yeah, Warren, we copy that. And you're up on the monitor. Hey, Warren, this is working great. Okay, so uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, Graham needs unmuting. I'm sure he'll unmute it as soon as he's back in the room. Um, well, it's the Scooby Gang, isn't it? We've got the, the Willow, the Xander. Tara joins them later. Oh, I'm getting feedback from somewhere. Might be Tim. Tim's gone. Well, it was in the bottom. Okay. Well, it's not. It seems to have disappeared now. Um, so, so we've got the the Scooby team, obviously with the uh, Willow, Xander, Tara. We've got uh, Buffy's younger sister. We've got uh, the librarian and. Uh, um, all the other ones that surround here. So, uh, first of all, I'd like to know in the room, because I'm sure I've asked this before about Buffy, and it's usually only been uh, um, one or two people that have said that they've watched it. I know you've never really watched it, Ian, and uh, I don't think Darth has. And uh, I'm not even sure Charlie's seen it. But I think Willis Girls mentioned she is a fan of it. Maybe even Vegan Sally. And we've got two of the girls in the room, but unfortunately not on mic yet. So hopefully you guys will come on. Where two girls in the room echo? on mic? Oh, he's off again. <laughs> it must be you coming in. The echo came just before he started to speak, Graham. Yeah, if you no, just I've had to redial. Me. Yeah, I just had to redial in. So. Okay. Are you, are you a Buffy fan? I do have the first complete series on DVD, so you can say to a certain extent. Um, the fact that uh, you know, there's, a, there's a feral group uh, around the central character, I mean, in fact it's actually quite a massive group uh, towards the end, uh, when you've got all the um, all the, the, the slayers actually been brought in in the last series as such. So, uh, but I prefer, I quite honestly, prefer the the earlier C, uh, series where you've just got um, Willow and Thunder and uh, I forgot what Chris McCarpenter's character is called. Um, Cordelia. Uh, Cordelia. Cordelia. Yeah, Cordelia Chase, and you've got uh, you've got you've got um, Giles. Giles as well. Giles been in there as well. Uh, I found those uh, stories more solid because it, it's it's one of those series that did suffer from being well a bit chewing uh, chewy gummed out if you know what I mean. If you take some uh, bubble gum or chewing gum, you stretch it out. There's only so far you can stretch it, and it becomes too much. They're saying that the end of the series is pretty uh, pretty f uh, fantastic. Uh, so just came back at the end there, uh, but at that time you had so many extra characters around the main character it was like jeez uh, juggling more than RTD did ever but uh, yeah but as favourite characters go I suppose is, uh, from Buffy uh, I have to settle probably with a lot of people uh, either Willow or um, Giles himself um, as the supporting um, character probably my favourites there yeah without loss I mean they they all have the personalities there was Oz who was the the werewolf Zandu, who um, basically was probably the the strongest uh, sidekick to um, 
Buffy because she was he was sort of the the heart of the group, wasn't he? And uh, Willow was sort of the brains and so on. So they had a, a really good working relationship, and it formed this nucleus of support. So there wasn't just one standout character, but there was this whole um, uh, network of support that she had. In actual fact, um, <clears throat> in that particular clip um, uh, that I was playing on that particular season, what they tried to do was. Uh, break up. Well, actually, I think it was um, the season before. Actually, Spike was um, uh, trying to get the uh, the Scooby Gang broken away because they wanted to leave Buffy on her own, thinking that on her own she would be weaker. So um, I'm I'm just stalling for a little while, hoping what one of those girls, both who said in text on the show live that they are uh, fairly big fans of these two shows, see if they're going to come on audio. But would you classify uh, Faith as a psychic? I mean, really couldn't really. No, no, not no. at all. No, I mean, uh, I'm talking about the people who are, they don't have the abilities that, that the main character has. They're not superheroes in their own sense. Although, of course, Willow grows up, uh, grows to be a, a, a person who can challenge Buffy uh, and equal her in many cases. And I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but in one of the seasons, Willow actually becomes what they call the big bad of the season. Yeah, the big bad, well, which she certainly uh, comes up through the um, spawns, but I uh, don't want to get into too many spoilers, really, do we? What actually causes it? No. Okay, well, it looks as though uh, I'm going to have a, a little bit of a, uh, a time getting people on there, so let me go to something that uh, is perhaps more widely listened to within the the group here, and I've only got the actual song for it, and this is Firefly, because they've, we've got a strong ca cast of sidekicks and secondary characters in this one. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free, you can take the sky from me. Take me out to the black, tell And in the actual link that I did put up in the show uh, from FuriousFanboys.com, uh, 2010, uh, 10 of the best sci-fi sidekicks, they single out um, the um, Zoe Zoe Washburn, the first mate of the Transport Serenity. Uh, uh, Zoe Washburn was the cooler head of the triangle between her husband and the captain. Uh, Zoe was career military during the time of the Unification War, but chose to throw in with uh, Mal Reynolds when the independence surrenders. A loving wife, dear friend, and deadly gun hand, uh, Zoe Washburn is a woman of the deepest strengths for all those around her. And of course, there was another group of supporting people around that. So have we got a big firefly person in the audience? As we always say, by the way, the Colton Collective is always the collective who gather on any particular show, and each week those names change slightly somewhat, the makeup changes slightly, and so the the stories of interest and the 
shows that people follow does uh, slightly change from week to week. And that's why I always ask if anybody, particularly in the room today, is a fan of a particular series. Well, I'm, while we wait, I'm going to weigh in on this one. And I just think it's a kind of an interesting thing to, to, to bring up Firefly because... Um, and, and in a way, I'm having a go at the, the Furious Fanboys list because I don't think anybody really on that show would count as being... Um, a, a sub character or, or or a sidekick or because it was a very much a um an ensemble cast and I don't think I mean Mal yeah was was the captain but I didn't see anyone as being I don't know a, a side character they were all part of the the entire makeup of the show uh, she is a good right. character don't don't get me wrong but it just it's 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 a strange one to have mentioned and it, it caught me that I was surprised that I scrolled through this because yeah I mean yeah she may be second in command but it, it it doesn't show in the show if you get what I mean you know nobody you never got the thought that you know, I mean every now and then Mal would would you know um, say well this is my ship and blah 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 but never at any point did they you know did they give you the well, impression. That's... One was rated high, higher than the other. You know, they were all kind of. Well, everybody was. Hmm. Well, this is of course because the hero isn't a superhero as such, is he? So we've got we've got a hero with his with his uh, is is uh, you know the seven samurai type of uh, function with them. Uh, the point is, of course, when you have a uh, like in Buffy, where the actual uh, main character, the titular character, is somebody who has those special powers, and by definition, then everybody around them the best they can be is a sidekick i suppose until they branch out on their own shows of course we've seen with uh with smallville that um we may talk about um uh that they used it to introduce other superheroes that, that then went on to have their own shows of course that's after a long long history of them all being in comics earlier than that but um sticking to uh firefly for the moment then um Anybody want to weigh in with what Ian said? Charlie? Only that I, I concur. Oh, that there, there's a big difference between ensemble cast and what you're talking about, Dave. And I, I don't even think that Buffy Well, I included, it it's on the, I included it because it's on this list. Yeah. Okay. But, but, still, it, it, but still, there are yeah. no sidekicks in, in, the, in the ensemble All right. cast. Well, then, then let's seek a de definition. Would you would you agree with me then that it's it's only if the main character has superpowers, i.e., he's no. not a normal human? No, I wouldn't agree with that. So you're not saying this is an ensemble just because the, none of them have special powers? It's an ensemble because, no, because of you can have reason. heroes is all about people who have special powers, but that's an ensemble cast too. Yeah, but that's by definition. They all got super. What I'm trying to say is, if his program where the me character has superpowers, then the other normal people who are nonetheless supportive characters and sidekicks, they by definition will be that rather than an ensemble, Robin because they're sidekick. not they're not the one carrying the torch, as it were. Robin is the sidekick, but Batman has no superpowers. Yeah. Right. The problem is, Dave, that you've got here with, uh, with well, as far as I can make out, because I've still got Firefly queued up to watch uh, with my time off at the moment, uh, is, is the fact that 
with an ensemble cast you basically you've got with every single character you've got uh, just a stronger story going on and they're not there as quite literally as support as a proper support uh, I'll, and hopefully I'll bring up one after we finish this uh, this as a, a bit of a topic here but um, the fact that you've got uh, a strong storyline going for each of them not that uh, th there's a, a storyline uh, there's the main driving character and then you've got the surrounding character support the, the fact that I come up with like Heroes is a very good example of this um, you've got several um, storylines going and not any single one of the cast is the lead as such you know you've got sort of leading characters but they're not a particular lead so you have this this sort of problem you can't call any one person in this sort of uh, right. show a sidekick as such, uh, yeah, I, I suppose no subservient uh, for me, characters. Yeah, yeah. I, I always thought that it was a toss-up between either Peter Petrelli being the main character, or indeed is it Adam, the uh, uh, the the chap with the glasses. No, I mean there was, there was no one one pool. I mean uh, each season two were rotated in, in, around a different you know, main character, but even then that was you know. Um, right, I mean, and, and if, so yeah. So, so those it's, people it's a very difficult thing to single them. Yeah. I mean, those... for example, with Firefly, Mal was never the lead um, because the, there was never that kind of uh, attention paid to that character where all of the plot lines and storylines revolved around him with the other characters being background. It was always uh, put together as an ensemble in the same way that Star Trek and Deep Space Nine and, and Enterprise have been put together. No one character, even though there is a captain of the ship, is the lead. Well, I think you've, you've hit on something interesting there, Ian, in that I think Star Trek is the breakpoint. I think that the um, it, it, it's all about actors, after all, really, who are pushing this thing, because they don't want to become sidelined. They want to feel like they are you know, an integral part of whatever's going on with that particular television series. So therefore, they are going to be using their agents to make sure that they get a reasonable chunk of the narrative pie. And I think it, it is sort of Star Trek where you start to see this changing. I mean, that is, in a way, that is the difference between the original series and the first couple of seasons of Next Generation and the rest of the Star Trek oeuvre. Um, you, you clearly see it as an ensemble by the time that next generation ends and you look at for instance the difference between the parts that people are playing in all good things the finale next to what they were playing in encounter at farpoint the pilot and you and you see that those characters have changed in their narrative relationship to the other and and then by the time you get on to deep space 9 you really have you know a great deal of equality between the characters and you know it, it even gets to the point where you can regularly predict, okay, it's time for a Miles episode. It's time for a, a Dax episode. It's time for, you know, there to be a Cisco episode, whatever. And, you know, each season they have a certain number of stories, more or less scheduled, programmed, allocated to each one of the characters so that nobody is is dominant. And they can prove to the agents, look, we are taking care of your actor by making sure that they have an equal number of good meaty stories as other people who are in the cast. So right. I think Star, Star Trek is, I think, at the point where you go from what is a 60s sort of narrative style 
of yes, there is a, a strong hero, and then there are people who are around him. That you know, yes, there's a Lone Ranger, but then there's you know a Tonto, and you go away from that into there being true ensembles. Right. Well, I mean, in a non-sci-fi world, the, the, the absolute peak of that must be Friends, because they they went further than that, negotiated a, a, a group rate, as it were, for themselves, and uh, did that. But uh, I have to ch- thank Charlie P. Seventy Nine. It was nowhere I was trying to think of where, because uh, Peter Petrelli seemed to be the most important of the heroes to me, and Noah seemed to be the most important of the, uh, uh, you know. The human race, as it were. Um, so I always saw them. But um, I, I, I came to the show with with perhaps a loose definition. And it. it's always, as Willis Girl has put in text, it's always difficult whether we um, spend a lot of the time defining, you know, where our show lies. We don't want to alienate listeners to the show, but on the other hand, we don't want to be too wishy-washy. And if people have a good idea of uh, defining uh, the character, uh, I mean, one of the things that I was particularly uh, going to avoid, uh, and I'll mention it now because um, in a couple of weeks we're going to do about um, sci-fi kids and child actors. So I was going to be wary about um, mentioning uh, uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. Because uh, although you could argue that they are Sarah Jane's sidekicks and could well be in this show, I'm thinking, well, do we save those for when we're talking about kids in sci-fi and child actors, which will be our episode 88 in a couple of weeks' time? And uh, then there's the other thing is that we've also talked about, um, you know, our favourite robots and things. So do we talk about uh, our uh, 3CPO and uh, V2... Yeah, the Star Wars one. Yeah, do we class You've those? You've been hit the wine already, folks. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> when I couldn't get online, blimey. And, um, you started drinking. Whether we de- <laughs> yeah, whether they define those as sidekicks, uh, are those robot companions? But uh, somebody wanted to mention another one. Uh, who was it that's going to go on? It, me. It's me. Um, and it's just because of something I've been watching this weekend, basically finally uh, finishing off something that I've been meaning to watch for years, which was the first series of Blake 7. Now, this was a bit of an odd one, because it started off uh, with Gareth Edwards as Roger Blake, as the hero, the main character, and because of the way it ended up turning on its head uh, a bit later... Um, you ended up having uh, Paul Darrow as Avon being the central uh, character with the supporting characters around him um, because the crew basically around, apart from uh, Michael Keaton who played uh, Villa, everybody, practically everybody around them changed and it was basically just uh, from the only two people that were in every single episode from, from episode one to, uh, to uh, the last episode uh, 13 in, in series four, were um, Michael Keaton's villa, but then obviously Paul Darrow as Avon. So around them you've got uh, a great support, what I call a proper supporting cast as a supporting people. Uh, even the uh, the the bad guys as such, you know, um, I don't know how you could actually look at it and say who was the supporting character between Servalan and uh, Travis. Uh, but uh, it's it's quite uh, quite an interesting thing to look at because in the start in series one you have uh, Gareth Edwards as Roger Blake and you've got Jenna Kelly, um, Garn, uh, Avon, and Villa 
as the as the main main crew with the Roger Blake being the leader, and uh, the quite the obvious leader out the front the whole time with Avon well, being the sort of protagonist, uh, sort of can, looking can to be the leader there. Can yeah. I be very rude? I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but if you're hearing some slight noises in the background, that's Benjamin that's come on the phone, and he may very well have only limited time with us. So, would you remember where you're up to, and we'll just bring him in for a moment? Yep. Okay, Benjamin, Benjamin Elliot. Hello, guys. Can you hear me clearly? We can. Oh, hang on. I'm going to do the intro. Live from Gallifrey 22 in Los Angeles, California, it's Benjamin Elliott. Yeah, I've switched to uh, headphones to try to deal with sound problems. Uh, Trevor Gensch of the Doctor Who podcast kind of walked in a couple minutes ago and walked out again. I tried to get him on as a guest, but he doesn't seem too eager at the moment. No, not after not after what I said to him. <coughs> ah, well, he tried nitpicking one of our podcasts that we did about New Zealand and tried to prove me wrong on several points, and I just told him how wrong he was in return. <laughs> he hasn't spoken to me since. Yeah, uh, you don't want to mention that second doctor's on here either, because I think we nitpicked with another as well, uh, quite often at times as well. So uh, oh, oh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Benjamin. So hopefully, this sounds pretty decent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are, you hmm? Are you enjoying yourself? Are you enjoying yourself? For the most part, I'm having a rather good time here. It's uh, the, right, the most restful Gallifrey of the three I've gone to. Because, like, 2007, I arrived in the, halfway through the convention. 2008, if any of you were part of the Torchwood Yahoo group in 2008, you ruined my Gallifrey 2008 convention, and you darn well know why. But... Uh, He's not That's bitter, story really. That's another day. But this convention's been going fine. <laughs> That's good. What are the highlights? I do think that I may oh. have... I may, Tony Lee might never speak to me again once he figures out my name. <laughs> because they have this panel called the Liars Panel, a.k.a. the Truth Tellers Panel. I was actually on this panel in 2008, but I signed up a bit late, so I'm not on any panels this year. And, of course, I was in the audience in the front row and I was chatty, as I can be. And the basically, I was feeding them lines for stuff, for throwing out bizarre stuff. I'm trying to remember all the because there's some really neat stuff in there. And he will get he got more and more crazed during the hour. <laughs> and Tony Lee was also the host of the Just for Minute Just a Minute competition during the masquerade due to Paul Cornell being unavailable this year. We and believe it was a bit blue, Benjamin. Huh? We believe the language was a bit blue. Ian McNeese is a bit of a, a bit of a loose tongue. Gee, a British actor having a loose blue tongue when at a convention with lots of alcohol. Who would ever believe it? But now there, there are a lot of stories and things. But I know that I, I remember seeing originally that you guys had the title listed as the pity party for those not galley. But it looks like you changed topics. There was one, there are a couple of panels that I was at where the news won't have gotten out yet. So I wanted to discuss this with you now. So okay. you might consider this breaking news. Oh, hang right. on, hang on, hang on. I'll, I'll, let me get him out of the lab. <laughs> get back in that lab and finish your work. Go to the okay. First, uh, last night at a very poorly attended uh, panel, uh, 
you had... <laughs> a good, good intro. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, the second one was the heavily attended panel. So I expect news to be getting out next hour or two. But uh, and the two are connected. At a poorly attended campan- a panel in the small room for the convention, there are four meeting rooms. Big, medium, small, and closets. This was the closet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, most, ones I, most of, of these panels I've gone to were in the small room. Uh, but these other ones, they did the big. Anyway, uh, John Preddle of New Zealand Doctor Who fandom fame. Oh, John, I know John. John Lavelle from Chicago, who created the very useful website epguides.com. I didn't think to thank him for that. It's very handy for searching all the episode titles and things of hundreds, if not thousands, of television shows throughout television history, mostly U.S., but some other ones too. A really great site. He has been a long, he was a Doctor Who fan, and in the 1980s, he went through all the newspapers in the library, and then he continued it with future broadcasts. And he had a complete broadcast history of all the Doctor Who broadcasts in Chicago, 1972 to the end. Well, sorry, it's still continuing. Never mind. <clears throat> 1972 onwards. They never saw Battlefield, ever. And he and John Preddle wound up getting together, and Preddle's been developing this website called Broadcast. There's a silent W after the D in Broadcast, so they can use the current Doctor Who label. And broadcast.org, which is launching now, is trying to be a history of all the Doctor Who broadcasts in all countries outside the UK from 1964 onwards, or to at least 1997. Wow. Which is a rather big project. <laughs> and they're talking about where they are in the project and how they're hoping to get feedback from people. So if you watch Doctor Who in a country other than the UK from 1964 onwards, you may want to look up uh, the New Zealand Doctor Who fan club, find John Preddle's email, and make his life exciting. Oh, the next panel... The, the, the <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Huh? I'll, I'll put the well, link oh, the website for New Zealand Doctor Who fan club would be nzdwfc.tetrap.com. The other one, and John Preto might have his own website. You can always just search for him. The other Stay project, tuned. I'm going to get John on the show to talk about it. So, <laughs> Anyway. Okay. So he told you about it? The first no, I heard I'll about sure it was Thursday night. <laughs> the first I heard about it was Thursday night when he was trying to find out where the first three years of this week in Doctor Who column were because they aren't archived on the Yahoo group. And that's when I began to be suspicious. Uh, the other panel was in the marquee room today, the main, the main ballroom that can hold the entire convention, which has well over 2,000 people here at the moment. And this panel was for a new book project being worked on, worked on Red, White, and Who, The Story of Doctor Who in America, The Definitive History of Doctor Who in the USA, The Broadcast, The Fandom, The Legacy. Now, who might you guess would be crazy enough to engage in such a, such a scheme? Arnold T. Bloomberg, Stephen Warren Hill, Jennifer Adams Kelly, and J. Sean Lyon. They have Ooh. the organizers of uh, Gallifrey One, Chicago TARDIS, Telos Publishing, and Gallifrey Base. Base. And they are trying to make the ultimate, well, as ultimate as possible, book on 
Doctor Who and Doctor Who fandom and everything in the U.S. of all time. Well, as much as possible. So they're trying to get people's input on it. And information on that's going to be going live within the week. And I actually mentioned to the audience, in case people thought that, in case people didn't realize how far the history went back, the history went back further than 1972 with the Pertwees. So I reminded them, because it was airing in Mexico in Spanish in 1968, parts of the U.S. got those Spanish episodes. Because it was airing in Canada in 1965, Parts of the U.S. were seeing Doctor Who when William Hartnell, William Russell, and Jacqueline Hill were still filming episodes in the U.K. Ooh. And, of course, the, the Cushing movies were on in the 60s. So, basically, they want to hear everyone's stories and all their stuff. Like, if you think that, you would, that there was a fan convention in Poughkeepsie, they want to know about it. If there was some... They want to get everyone's stories. They want to get everyone from fandom together, and they're going to be giving more information about that soon to try to get input. So those were some those are some big things coming out of Gallery this year. Excellent. And which panels have you enjoyed as well, Benjamin, that personally you've uh, taken the most from? Okay. Well, let's see here. Uh, going back in time. Way back. Did you get okay. did you get to did you get to the uh, Radio Free Scarrow one, for instance? No, I did not see the Radio Free Scarrow one because uh, I've been bunking with Trevor Gench of the Doctor Who podcast, who made a r- accidental audio cameo earlier. He was on a panel for Doctor Who and the Facebook of Doom, which was on at the same time on Friday. Yes, there are four video tr- there are four uh, interview tracks going on most of the time at this convention. So odds are there's going to be at least two things that you want to see at the same time. Plus, yeah. if you go to too many hours in a row, it's overload, and you have to pull back for an hour or two, or you're going to regret it. So it's one of these conventions where you can't possibly see everything, or half of it, or 25% of it. Anyway, right. the Facebook one, I, we could hear the 3D one going on right through the room, and I know it's online. I, I'm sure if I'd been there, I would have found a way to talk my way into the audio feed, and you guys would have heard me. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Facebook of Doom was a good one that was asked. And one that was surprisingly good was, is it time for another Star Trek series? And you had one of the writers of one of the Star Trek animated episodes. You had various people who had had some interaction with Star Trek discussing that show's future. And it was surprisingly good, actually. And... Did they come to any sort of consensus? Did they feel as though the time was actually right? And there was a beginner's guide to podcasting with people who had been doing podcasts for roughly a year or less. And that was a fun panel to hear their stories of how they got started. Did Did they come, Benjamin, to any consensus about whether there should be another Star Trek or not? Well, they definitely seem to think it's getting closer, but they were everyone was divided. There were some people who felt that if you had to do want to do a series, that you couldn't call it Star Trek. It could be the same universe with different people. That you just want you have to stay away from the the old characters because the old characters are getting covered in the movies, and that there'd be too much of a conflict. 
And you have people who thought, oh, yeah, you should have Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and just be Star Trek. So it was, there wasn't any consensus, but people did have fun. And Get This Guy Podcasting a Light, uh, writing in someone else's universe was good because you had people who had written for Buffy, people who had written for House, people who had written for Torchwood and House, you know, all these, these various publishers, uh, these, these various authors. And hmm, it was there were a number of good ones, and I'm sure I missed a lot of good ones as well. So, what's next on your schedule? You've got presumably you're going to try and make the pod shop one in an hour or so. Well, I'm going to try to make the pod shop one. Naturally, it's in conflict with something else I want to do, uh, of course. And later this afternoon, besides Podshock, uh, oh, at the same time as Podshock, if you don't like big crowds, they have one about making Sarah Jane. They have one about sci-fi TV and film the year in review. So see, those are two other things that might interest people at the exact same time as Podshock. And some people are going to think, you know, it's not like I was going to talk and interact anyway. I'll just go to one of these other two panels and listen to Podshock on audio later, and maybe there'll be some videos. And that's, you know, that's going to happen. But let's see, they're going to have the year review at 5.30, and that's going to be, from what I've seen in the past, that will just be someone editing together video clips and stuff from everything in the Doctor Who, Sarah Jane, Torchwood, Canine Adventures universe that happened in the last year. All the highlights on screen and off. And then 6.30 p.m. is the closing ceremonies where they, everyone says goodbye. Uh, one of the things was pod, the Podshock wanted to, they're supposed to be revealing two surprise guests besides everyone listed. And one is supposed to be a big classic series shocker. Um, no, we, I'm not expecting Tom Baker. Huh? Tim, Tim, Tim was on here earlier, and uh, before we started recording, he alluded to who he thinks it may have been because he thinks he saw that person in the lobby. <laughs> well, anything's possible. So we'll we'll see. It'll be after you're done, I expect. Or will it? We will. We would have let him, I mean, the fact that, the, that as soon as we're done with the show, it gets posted live. You know, so if it had have ended or up I- being a short show, we could have ended up spoiling it for somebody. <laughs> Okay, anybody any in the room want to ask Benjamin a, a quick question about the con before we, we move back to the topic? Did you actually uh, get a chance to see the Peter Davidson um, stage show? No, there? I did not see the infamous... There was one that was supposed to be Peter Davidson only, and uh, I did hear from some people who did go to it, whose names I will not mention, but who may have tweeted. And apparently there was... A lot of there were some people who were annoyed because the Peter Davison only panel turned out to be Peter Davison and Janet Fielding, and some people didn't like the presumably scripted interactions between the two of them that they felt were taking away from a panel with just Peter Davison. You know, I don't think they wanted to have the panel in a uh, David Williams, Mark Gaddis way in the bedroom or something. But they did want to have time with Peter, just Peter Davis. For those who remember um, that particular uh, little. 
Well, thanks for clarifying that because Tim did mention it, and I know in text uh, Darth was unsure. I think of uh, of how he meant that it being scripted, but it actually been scripted, so well, they felt as though okay, they were live. Let me be okay. Uh, okay, uh, let me be clear. We do not know if it was scripted. The assumption is that it was scripted because from the description I heard, you would imagine that if it was unscripted, one or the other of them would have stormed off the stage and left because that's what you do. You have something bizarre happen and you're not, and you're a rational person, someone eventually leaves and gets out of it. Right. Oh. Well, it must have been looking as though they were in conflicts in quotes. Yeah, yeah. I would. Okay. I I believe the person who said that they believe that it was scripted. There's just no proof. So, but you said you had a quieter time. So, <clears throat> but I I take it with the with less stress. You've you what you have seen. You've enjoyed. Much more, you've been in a much much more relaxed mood, oh, and, yeah. uh, and then to mingle. What about the lobby con? Is that is that really a strong feature again this year? Okay, well, it's slightly better if you like to drink. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. If you like, if you like to drink a lot, it is slightly easier to have a good time at lobby con. If you don't like to drink alcohol a lot, it is slightly harder. That said. It was good, <laughs> and I did get to see. Oh, um, I I did wind up visiting, but I did bump into some of the happiness patrol people, and one of them at his room showed off the piping for what would become the Fez. Because <laughs> this guy at the masquerade last night, he competed in the masquerade as a Fez. <laughs> That sounds His brilliant. His family convinced him to ship the Fez parts ahead of time. They did not think it would be a good idea to bring that Fez, albeit dismantled, through airport security. <laughs> well, I, I, so, I believe the airport security had some fun. I mean, they had somebody got the, well, the, um, the not the Happiness Patrol, the, the ones with the head of Pertwee. The oh, yeah, stories. Stories. Yeah. I uh, did interact a lot with them. I uh, actually had a couple of meals with them. The um I did finally get my picture taken with the head this morning. And their their biggest coup was the Craig Craig Ferguson people were here on Saturday and there was a sequence shot that involves Chris Hardwick from Craig Ferguson's show, uh Real Keith from Staggering Stories, and the head. And if Tim Drury has not told you how that sequence went yet, and I am not going to tell you either. And let me just say that when you see the 30 seconds on Craig Ferguson's show sometime in the next few days, uh, it took them a lot longer to film these spontaneous scenes. <laughs> but it's a neat little scene, and I can imagine how it's all going to piece together. <laughs> and, but Ferguson himself was not there. Uh, Chris Hardwick did sit in on a panel where I think things went a bit wrong but uh, it was an interesting panel. <laughs> I'm sure he'll, I imagine Chris Hardwick will mention that panel himself on the Craig Ferguson show, so I'll leave him to that. 
uh, I well, didn't get to talk to them. Uh, running this, doing this week in Doctor Who for 13 years might be fanny enough, but I wasn't wearing a shirt proclaiming it or anything. I looked pretty normal. I just had a shirt with a tonic screwdriver on it, and that is not eccentric. When you had uh, a female TARDIS, female doctor, and three of the color Daleks, all females, for victory of the Daleks as a five-person troop, when you had another girl who, by complete coincidence, happened to be the red Dalek, but wasn't with that group, but looked like she should have been, when you had oodles of 80 ponds, at least five or six of whom were willing to stand together for autographs, when you had Adam Purcell of Staggering Stories wandering through at one point as Amelia Pond to age seven, when you I did not stand out. I was like a chameleon at times, even if I wanted to talk to people. But sometimes, you know, I talked to a lot. You could say you you, you dressed up as chameleon. (laughs) Maybe next year. I'm considering whether I should try to do a costume for next year. I definitely want to go next year if the budget at all makes it work. And I know my wife wants to come as well. By the way, uh, yeah, it was rather, rather, basically, I arranged the center flowers when I was on my way over to the convention. And she liked the flowers enough that she tried to book a plane ticket. Oh. It was too expensive. Yeah. I even looked at it as like $800 or something from here. It's like, hey, no. Yeah. Uh, yes, I remember. I, yeah, Ian was texting back, was twittering back and forth about the cost of trying to come out here. And I did yeah. mention that while it would still have been really expensive, it would be a whole lot less expensive to try to plan it out months ahead of time than on the weekend up. <laughs> yeah. Right, is anybody else hope, in the room? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, I don't know how long Benjamin's got with us, but anybody else in the room want to ask... A quick question about the con who Graham oh, has for anybody else? Oh, there was one thing that uh, might interest some people. I don't know if anyone here has quite the same affinity to Chase Masterson that uh, Ian used to ha- had for uh, that girl from Farscape. Uh, forgetting her name at the moment. Gigi Edgley. Gigi Edgley. Gigi Edgley. I don't know if anyone here... But if anyone here has the same affinity for Chase Masterson that uh, Ian has for Chichi Edgley, then they'll be happy to know that at one point during just a minute, when Chase was in the lead in the game, and Ian McNeese was in second place and was trying to lobby to come back, and Chase, w- and Chase was trying to get audience sympathy to make sure she stayed in the lead, she did finish unbuttoning her shirt. <laughs> she had a bra underneath it. <laughs> yes, um, but it's like, the, uh, at one point, Ian, actually, Ian McNeese actually said, you know, you're down to just two buttons left, which is when she uh, undid it all. Chase has a rather impressive um, portfolio, one might say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we did actually interview her at uh, Wrath of Khan on that other show that, I, that uh, Dave and I used to be on. For unfamiliar audiences, Chase Masterson was on Star Trek Deep Space Nine worked in Quark's bar and eventually uh, married Rom. She was uh, one of the Dabo girls and I'm striking a blank on her name at the moment. Her character's name at the moment. 
And in Sorry? real life, she then did a bunch of stuff for Sci-Fi Channel as a host. So, not even Charlie's coming up with that one. Mm-hmm. So, alrighty. Well, okay. uh, we're going to push on with our topic, but we do appreciate you uh, stopping in. Um, yeah, I'm going to need to sign off pretty soon and take care of some other things. And I hope to talk to you guys soon. Yep, uh, glad you were able to call in. Thanks a lot, Benjamin. Okay. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Oh, and one last thing before I go. Um, I came up with an idea, and if I can make it work, then this week in Doctor Who might grab another dimension beyond the printed page. Well, you're going going 3D, are you? Like Radio Free Scarra. Uh, I did 3D by being by showing up in the audience at panels. <laughs> no, no, it's just I, I need to get the right people willing to take part, and I need to sort out a couple other things. But I have an idea, and hopefully it'll come together. Good. All right. And on that, not really a bombshell. Good night. <laughs> Good night, sir. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Give our regards to anybody you see. Cheers. Yep. Well, All thank right. you. That was great. Uh, and thank you very Fantastic. much uh, to Graham for just uh, holding fire while we did that. Uh, we've got had now two live reports from Gally within the show, and I'll try and make sure I put that in the notes when the live show goes up. Yeah. And, and for anybody that's not so clear on it, because Willis Girl brought it up, Just a Minute is a sort of a game show where you have a, you're given a subject and you've got to talk about that subject without repeating, stuttering, um, or pausing, or pausing uh, for a minute. And uh, if you if you don't do that, then somebody else can take up the subject for the rest of the time to win the points. Um, but also the, the thing that uh, myself and Tony Gellershaw from the uh, Flash and Blade have been giving Adam uh, a whole lot of jip because uh, up until earlier he hadn't put on his Amelia Pond outfit that we knew he was uh, had ready over the last couple of weeks. So uh, but I'm just w- glad he dressed as Amelia and not Amy because that's just a little <laughs> worrying because I know he's a bit obsessed. Uh, but yeah, I, I just hate to think of of him wandering what? around in the police I don't girl, know. This I mean, woman's outfit, the short skirt. <laughs> I don't know. He's a fairly slender guy, you know. He's, I know he can probably pull it off. He's probably pull it off. Which is more worrying, I suppose. Uh, I was just, it's just talking about airport security there. I was just wondering how uh, Billy, the uh, usually known as the white robot. Uh, from Podshock, uh, among other things, actually how he got on getting through um, customs, well, I say customs, but airport security, because he had a new costume this year, and he was dressed as a quark, quite brilliantly, and that's quite a sizable costume. So, uh, does this mean we'll have to call him Billy the Quark now, not Billy the White Robot? <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, anyway, back to the topic at hand, and whoever is... We're getting so, on Blake 7. Blake 7. And so, which has given me a little bit of time to talk about the missing characters I was, I was thinking about. So, after sort of the first and second, well, sort of uh, towards the end of the second series, uh, unfortunately, uh, Blake uh, got pulled out of the series basically because the actor wanted to leave. And basically, uh, Avon came to the fore as the main sort of uh, central character there because it was always 
Rog Blake and Avon, um, okay, Avon, that were basically back in uh, to and thrown for each other. But uh, later on, you get uh, all the supporting characters coming in. Uh, Dana uh, Mellenby, uh, who is a weapons expert and was a daughter of a dissident. Uh, then you get Del Tarrant, which, uh, as a supporting character, is really interesting. Um, because of the fact that uh, Del Tarrant starts off as a uh, as on the Federation side, uh, but due to the way things uh, end up being, uh, he ends up def- defect is practically defecting over towards the um, something onto, happens to his brother. Well, his, his brother, brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Here's here's a question though. I mean, and mm. and we discussed discussed it before with with uh, Star Trek. I mean, this is one of those shows that's like pre-doing an ensemble cast, and while it did tend to dwell, especially the the early ones on on Blake, we could call the others you know, sub-characters. Towards the end, it was almost verging, I think, on a on a on an ensemble cast. Yeah, I was not quite sure about that because I mean, it, even towards the end, uh, it's still for me pretty much Avon centric. Uh, right. Because you, you saw that Paul Darrow was coming to the fore, as he does with a lot of things, um, <clears throat> time lash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fact is that, yeah, Paul Darrow basically took over the series after that point, and for me, he was the sort of the main character. Everybody else, for me, was still the supporting character, even though there were a lot of strong characters coming forward and that. Uh, you had the, 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 the only conflict of whether it was an ensemble cast as such for me was on the on the side of the uh, federation itself because who was who was the lead who was uh, Jacqueline Pierce's server and the lead or um, was the one or two variants of um, Travis uh, the sort of lead there uh, for me but I just want to weigh in on Blake 7 Darth nope nope (laughs) succinct at least the man's succinct (laughs) <laughs> Which, by the way, right. uh, that was who I thought they might have ha- been having on Podshot, one uh, the uh, Chris pa- uh, Croucher person. Thought that's who they might be having. Don't know, I've, but I was thinking they might try and get a Blake Seven one because originally they were going to be Serverland there, and then of course there was going to be the actor who played Blake himself there, and so I thought they might have had a, a surprise Blake Seven actor. Or even somebody from Robots of Death, because in fact, Chris Chris, Chris Boucher was in Blake Seven, and he was in Robots of Death, wasn't he? Brian Croucher. Brian Croucher, yeah. Yeah, because right. you do have this sort of the the the, uh, the over sort of lapping things there, where you've got uh, you had Gareth Edwards was in um, Torchwood, and uh, Jacqueline Pierce, obviously the two Doctors. Mm. But like I said, later oh, in the series, you get uh, Glynis uh, Barber before she started to uh, so make pieces. Sulin uh, also turning up as well before she ended up with the straw hair. Yeah, which is now the same hair that uh, uh, the the girl in um, Primeval has. She seems to have adopted that hairstyle. I wonder why why it was familiar to me, and then I realised that Dempsey and Makepeace uh, character that had that hairstyle. And yeah. I'm thinking of anyway, we've we've only we've oh. only tackled two shows so far, yeah. and we're yeah. running out three. of uh, Daylight Four. Three, Buffy, Buffy, Fireflies, Heroes, and Blake Seven. 
Yeah, but we've just kind of dismissed. We need to move on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, some of the ones that were in these lists that actually do do have a mention. Um, Star Wars. There were a number of what you could call sidekicks uh, in Star Wars belonging to various characters. Uh, oh, well, well, Han Solo well. and Chewbacca. <laughs> uh, Luke and uh, R2-D2. What the hell was that? You choking on a cracker? Oh, dear. I think you're in Oh, I am home. No, this is your topic. I'm just running the room. If you want me to mute them, I'll mute them. Well, well, that's in in, in that in the list. The the Furious fanboys that they, they basically seem to pick up. Well, Chewbacca's probably. Well, you could, it depends on whether you class Han Solo as a sidekick himself. Um, but right, uh, that Han is, is. I mean, you could list him as, as, as Luke's psychic, but he's nowhere. No, um, he's he's a character unto himself, and and when uh, and, and Chewie's his sidekick, because you could almost do you know the adventures of Han and Chewie in space, and a lot of people would be quite happy. I think. I'm well, surprised right. it never got picked up on. Actually, quite honest. Yeah. Because well, that would have been a different topic. Yeah. Sorry, no. I disagree with all this. No, no. I mean, Star Wars doesn't have sidekicks. Again, it's ensemble. And, you know, again, at, at various points, there have been um, series where people that you think of as maybe possibly being a sidekick have been clearly in the lead. Star Wars is well too rich a universe to have sidekicks. you got you got whole comic it, series... Yeah. That's nothing but the droids. You got a whole exit box. You got two or three different comic series. There's nothing but the droids. Um, again, you've got a you got a Han Solo thing. You've got a, a book series. You've got a Lando Calrissian book series. Um, you've got Han and Leia. You know who might be considered to be the sidekicks of the first movie. Um, they clearly have had a life together and then children together, and so they're they are at different points the main characters of different stories. I, no, there's there's no such thing as a sidekick. Yeah, but just to mention that both those lists we put up, the Sci-Fi Now one as well, also lists Chewbacca as a sidekick. So both both these two lists seem to come to that conclusion. But I think well, you're right. The larger right. the no, I I, too, I agree. It does mean that um, is Mike coming on audio there, Ian. Um, it does mean that, that the larger universe shows are like that. Let me let me play a clip from a different show, Xena, uh, and I'm sure there's at least one sidekick here.
because I'm now trying to remember the name of her blonde-haired sidekick. Oh, I've been wrecking my brain about that one for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, I thought she was strawberry blonde. <laughs> red blonde. Is it Gabrielle? Gabrielle, yeah. Sorry, I'm having a drooling moment again. That's, that's, see, that's another pro. There's another program with a with a psychic as such that's sort of redheadish-ish. On I go into one of those dreamy phases again. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying that Zena needs a long conversation in our topic, but I mean, is that perhaps up to now at least one we can firmly put in the the, the role of sidekick? Um, I can't remember who was the character that Bruce Campbell played. Uh, he was he was definitely more the sort of psychic to Zena than Gabriella was most of the time when he actually appeared in there uh, in there. Sorry. Bruce, oh, not getting that. Of course, Zena. Did Zena? Did the Zena show actually start off as a spin-off from Hercules? Uh, from Hercules? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she had her own sidekick after that. Okay, well, I, I didn't expect that to carry a lot of discussion. I just thought that was one of the more <laughs> simple definitions of one. Um, I think the most simple definition of one you could have is 1966 Batman the TV series. This is probably about the simplest definition you could have of, of a superhero and a sidekick because you have Batman and Robin. And uh, this is about the clearest definition you're likely to get at this discussion tonight, I think. Right. Uh, well, I won't play a clip. I've got a clip of the, the, the film trailer, but it's it's quite long. And at this stage... Uh, I think uh, that's probably the one. Mike's come on uh, audio. Do you want to try your audio, Mike, and perhaps join in at this point? Are you having the same problems as I have? I was picking up an echo from him earlier, which is why I muted him. But yeah. Oh, there we go. Right. I unmuted. Ah. I just don't have anything to say on this particular topic. So. Okay. <laughs> muted. Okay. Uh, child... I'm seeing a, the same problem with a lot of a lot of these things is that you know some of them I don't understand. They've got Starscream in there, which is not a sidekick. I'm sorry. He's a whiny upstart that you know wants to earth up the throne, and it doesn't mean you're a psychic. I'm sorry. Um, well, what, about these, what about Sam? What about Sam? Sorry. Sam from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, at least in the movies. I mean, I'm yeah. not that familiar with the way he's written in the books. And... Yeah. Actually, actually, as you mentioned there, Dave, I thought you were on to one of your favourite topics there, and you were on about uh, Sam from Quantum Leap, which meant that... Uh, Al? That Al would be the sidekick there. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Um at least in well, the first I think... two seasons, very much so, until you start learning a little more about his background, in which case, you know. Okay. Well, we're hearing from uh, a few people, so let's, if, if um, who's it, Charlie, do you want to come on any, I'll suggest any, and then I'll go to Darth, rather than us sort of try and justify certain ones that I come up with? Um, no, not really, I'm drawing a blank right now, so... Okay, and 
Darth, do you want to put forward any, or would you like to, to spend more time on the Batman and Robin one? I got nothing. Okay, I just don't well, think that they I don't think that they exist anymore. Right, not well, in let, modern narrative. All right, let me give one then, and I'll play the clip first, and then you'll see who it is. I hope. I need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Great Scott! What? How could I have been so careless? 1.21 gigawatts! Tom, how am I going to generate that kind of power? It can't be done. Can it? But all we need is a little plutonium. <laughs> Okay, Doc Brown, of course, from uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, and this is, this is where Willis Gill's uh, thing here, of, uh, very, it's very pedantic at the moment. Who is the sidekick in Back to the Future? I can only think of Einstein, the dog. He's about the only character really that's a proper sidekick because, again, we have an ensemble cast as such. Um, until we get possibly to the third film where the love interest is possibly the sidekick to Doc Brown. But... Uh, Otherwise, it's, uh, you know... You don't think Doc Brown's a sidekick? No, Doc Brown and Marty are the leading characters, both of them. Uh, the story role... Uh, the thing is, um, the first two films revolve mainly around Marty, and the third film revolves mainly about Doc, around Doc Brown, uh, of Marty actually trying to save Doc Brown in his life. So you've got two main leading characters there. So the only supporting, uh, uh, supporting or um, psychics you've got are Biff's tongues. Uh, Biff, in his various formats, uh, his uh, psychics there, you know, his, his cronies. Uh, back in 55, in uh, the... Uh, the the old of uh, the, well the the great grandson version in uh, 2015 uh, plus uh, Buford Tannen's group in uh, 19 uh, 1885 off the top of my head so there's not really much of a lot of psychics uh, you've got the dog Einstein and you've got uh, Biff Tannen's crowd and that's about it I'm trying not to be pedantic but for me it's 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 some, well it's one of these things that are, um, Back to Future is one of my favourite things, and I've never seen Doc Brown as a psychic at all. No. Right. Well, let me just make one statement here, and then I think Darth is going to come in there. Um, one of the reasons why Ian and myself don't pin down these topics, you know, exactly, one, because we haven't got the talent to do so, <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> we, we feel that as if we did do, uh, the show would be a lot shorter, uh, and we also leave opportunities for the people who of course ever whoever comes in on the day is the collective for the day uh, and will steer the show in hopefully directions that they enjoy um i realize that there's some people listening that um for 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 internet reasons may not be able to come on and make a, a verbal contribution but hopefully they can put some suggestions in text as willis girl did uh, gabriella very pedantic uh, so um did you want to come in there, Darth? If if not, I'll move on to another one. Sorry, I'll take that. come in on what? Yeah, I, I thought I heard you start to speak before I followed on from Graham. No. Okay, right, let me go to another one then. Uh, I'm going to play all of it because it's too long of a clip, but hopefully you'll get the person. 
It will kill everyone. Then there must be an antivirus. Release it now or I'll blow a hole in that tank. And we'll all die together. You made your point. Now stop this and we can talk. You are dying. Even now. We've got to get you out of here. I can survive anything, but you can't. Too late. I breathe air. There's got to be something. There's got to be an antidote. You said you would fight. Then I take it back, all right? I take it all back, but not him! And you have to guess, not him. Who is it? I have to stop it before uh, I get complaints from certain fans. Yanto, surely a sidekick. T-boy. Coffee boy, pizza delivery. Ooh, Graham, you're breaking up Graham, there. Your audio skills. Quit downloading porn. I mean, uh, episodes of, I mean. <laughs> not on the iBook. He's not got enough power. Uh, and perhaps you could just lower your volume slightly. That might just be causing clipping. Okay. Ian, what about you? You haven't really... Would you call Yanto secondary character, supporting character? And unfortunately, a lackey, yes, a lackey? because they did nothing with his character uh, except for one, one and a half episodes. They did absolutely nothing with him, so that relegates him to a sub-character, if you ask me, um, only because they never really did anything with him, which was a shame, because... And in the start, I thought there was um, some hidden depths to that character, which were going to be revealed, but never were. Um, so yeah, as an insult, yes, I will say that Yanto is a supporting character, and you could you could almost call him a sidekick to to Captain Jack because that was, seemed to be his only purpose there towards the end is is, is Captain Jack's lover and sidekick. Anybody else want to come in on that one? I may add that I think uh, Samantha is probably going to unfriend me on any so and on every social network that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's no well, slight against the actor. It's a slight against the right. So. Wow. I think I think on this subject of justice, we need to look a lot further back in time. Um, you know, things uh, maybe maybe well, back as as a flash cord uh, as an example, possibly. Your audio is yeah, quite yeah. terrible. Yeah. I'll call that call back in. Okay. Okay, well, let me go to a slightly older sci fi show then. Anybody else want to comment on What? Sorry? Go on. I was going to say anybody else want to comment on Yanto, but never mind. Plot on. Well, I, I'd hope that the, the girls would have come in on audio, but they seem a little bit shy for us today. Okay. Build him. We 
We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better. Stronger. Faster. forward the Oscar Goldman person as the uh, the the psychic or secondary character and you could also say the bionic woman at one point um, I don't know how anybody feels about that one no, no? You're, 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 I was, you're, I was just about to say memory is now we cross over to Dark for the rebuttal <laughs> <laughs> yeah no your memory is cheating a little bit you, you may be correct in thinking of the first half season of this show um where that might have been sort of true, where, you know, it was just uh, Oscar would call somebody into the office and give him the orders, and he would be like M, more or less. That was what he was. Uh, but as the show progressed, they were very much equals. The sidekick is maybe Rudy, Rudy Wells, the guy, you know, the doctor who actually invented bionics, because he would show up, you know, whenever there was a problem with the bionics, and that would be just about it. Um, but, no, Oscar was, you know, don't forget, by the time that the show actually did its last television movie, that the guy playing Oscar was one of the co-producers of the show. Um, so it, it's, no, it's, you know what it's like? It's, it's like the difference between, like the early Bionic Man, or Six Million Dollar Man, is very much like M as played by Bernard Lee where he would just show up at the very beginning and maybe somewhere in the middle of the show, probably not in the middle of the show, probably just at the very beginning. But by the time you get to season two of The Six Million Dollar Man, and certainly by the time you get into The Bionic Woman, he's much more like the Judy Dench um, M, where, and, and the Judy Dench M in the last movie, you know, where she is really fully showing up for a good two, three scenes in the film. She's a hands-on you know. boss. Right. And, and you know, and, and one of the, the pinnacle of the $6 million man slash bionic woman is, uh, you know, the episode, what, what the hell's the name of it? Kill Oscar. That's the name of the episode. And it's all about, you know, the fembots and how they're going to try to take over Oscar Goldman. And so he's absolutely central to the plot. So uh, no, and don't, don't forget too. This is the only other person beside, well, He's, yeah, he's the only person to be in the opening credits and is, is his character, his actor credited in the opening credits of both shows. So, no, Oscar, Go he had his own damn um, line of toys. It wasn't just the $6 million, because I had these toys, so I know that. <laughs> it's not just, it's not just the, the, the $6 million man toys and, and the Bionic Woman toys. You also had the Oscar line. Mm. Which was, you know, you got all these, you got the office, you got the briefcase that had stuff in it, you know, you got the doll, which was every bit the equal to the, the Jamie and Steve doll. Uh, so no, he's not the sidekick. But I will grant that there is the sidekick, really, of Rudy. I mean, Rudy's slight, Rudy's much more important to 
the original pilot, which almost nobody has seen these days, but it was fantastic. But of course, there is no Oscar in the first pilot. Um, but even as we get into this, the second pilot and the third pilot, because miraculously this thing had three pilots before it had its first episode, um, Rudy is still kind of important then. Once you get into the series, though, Rudy is very much secondary to what's going on. It is mean, Charlie. I don't even think uh, Darth's 40 yet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, terrible. Oh, wow. That's true. <laughs> that is true. What, you're 40? No, no. I get the reference, and I must admit yeah. to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I'm going to sidetrack everybody and... and because I'm just wanting to be, I've been dying for somebody to play the clip from this. Have you got a clip from Knight Rider, Dave? We lose Dave. Hello, Dave. I've got it, got it, sorry. <laughs> I was muted there. Here we go, yeah, Knight Rider, Series play 3 it. intro. There you go. <laughs> Shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. Michael Knight, a young loner on a crusade to champion the cause of the innocent, the helpless, the powerless, in the world of criminals who operate above the law. Am I back yet? Yeah. Yes, you are yep. back. Much better. Ah, super. All right. Continuing on with my tearing thing. <laughs> uh, in this list on the furious fanboys, and I'm furious with these fanboys because they've got this whole list screwed up. Uh, they mention Kit as a sidekick. I'm sorry. If anyone's a sidekick, it's Michael Knight. Um, <laughs> because anybody can drive a bloody car uh, and hit on women. Uh no, you, 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 I'm sorry, and if you even put it into a superhero uh, aspect, Kit's the one with all the superpowers, Michael just sits there. I mean, Kit doesn't even really need a driver, he needs something to get out and maybe hit the occasional bad guy. Well done, Ian. I mean, when you were small, I mean, who was it you pretended, did you pretend to be Michael Knight to get into the car? No, you pretended to be Kit, you know. Yes. <laughs> Go with your BMX or whatever bike you were riding at the time, you know, jumping over things and that. Never pretend, pretend to be Michael Knight. You always pretend to be Kit. It's much more fun. Kit's the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put anybody yeah. in a bloody car and, and have a show. Yeah. We're, <laughs> but, we're but, actually but my family over to... Um, to <laughs> I think they call uh, it carpool. 
<laughs> was it Universal Studios? I think the only one that the son Matthew wanted a photograph near was the Knight Rider car. Yeah. That, I mean, I, that I, and I, Jaws, I think it was. That and Jaws. Yeah. Yep, I went, I went and sat inside Kit and talked to Kit. Um, which is impressive that they had uh, in, uh, that they had uh, Mr. Daniel somewhere secreted in there because I was actually talking to you know and asking questions. So that they had a, <laughs> a marvelous pre-recorded database. Um, but yeah, um, but but on a serious note, if anybody if there's a sidekick in in Knight Rider and it's neither of those two, then it would have to be uh, Bonnie and April, um, who were the mechanics. And then of course later on the and, and no offense to the actor, uh, the token black male that they decided to include in the show of RC. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry, uh, Kit's the main. Uh, I mean, Kit's the main uh, element of that show. Yeah, you could have anybody drive the car. That's it, and I'm done. I'll walk away now. And before we go any further, Dave doesn't even plan about the A team. Oh no, no, no. I would absolutely agree with you there. That is an ensemble cast. The only person the underused was the, the was a girl in the team, wasn't there? That the, 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 the sort of seemed to, whether she was more of a liability, not not as an actress, but in terms, right? yeah, they seemed to um, play her out of the story. But no, I would never say that the A team was definitely an ensemble one. It's gone quiet. Anybody hearing yeah. that? Oh, right, okay. Okay. nothing more on the Furious fanboys. You let me down, guys. I mean, you fanboys? No. Damn I mean, you, Dave, the list bites. Yeah. I mean, how long was the list, Dave? Was it ten places there? The, the two different lists were slightly different, yeah. and they were just ones I used to give me an idea of which clips to look out for, and I've got right. some different clips, because, as I say, the definition was not uh, tied down so well. Uh, let me go and play another one, and let. Uh, I'm wondering whether this is not an ensemble like A Team, but is sidekicks because uh, basically it's one hero's journey. The others come along at least initially for the ride with him, and here's the clip. What if you could travel to parallel worlds, the same year, the same Earth, only different dimensions? A world where the Russians rule America, or where your dreams of being a superstar came true, or where San Francisco was a maximum security prison. My friends and I found the gateway. Now the problem is finding a way back home. could be argued that the main character there uh, all the others get absolutely pulled in through the wormhole don't they? I know that Arturo was one of your, I think one of your favourite characters in. so um, do you want to make a case for this being an ensemble group? It's difficult uh, I mean in, in the beginning yes but as it developed I mean um, it developed into an ensemble whether it was always intended to be or not, I don't know. But it, it was it was very much. Um, I even forgot what's the character. Actually, the person you need to be asking on sliders is not me. It's Mr. Randall Thor. 
Yeah, no, I haven't heard from much from you. Let me hit my various mute switches here. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of an echo, but yeah, uh, I would agree that oh. this was definitely uh, an ensemble cast from beginning to end. Because the at the beginning had the, the there was no one that could be a, like a sidekick character. They were all equal characters on the show, and uh, just of course uh, the Dirk when it moved from Fox to Sci-Fi, different production crew, and you know. John Reese Davies was fired, and uh, Sabrina Lloyd left the show, and they brought in all sorts of different characters. It was, it was he brought his brother in, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was but the in. scenario of the story, really, oh, they all oh. came along for the ride, didn't they? I mean, he, he, they all got sucked in by accident. I mean, like uh, the oh, yeah. um, one of the guys was driving his car outside the house and got sucked in with them. Yeah, Rembrandt was just driving Rembrandt. along and didn't. And then the, the, the wormhole came, and yeah, he drove in by accident. Okay, is there is there any comment you want to make on ones that we've already passed? Because I, I agree that some of them we we dismiss quite quickly um, because there, there was nobody to come to the defence of the show, so we moved on fairly quickly. Well, I'm, I'm listening along, and if there's something that I want to comment on, you'll definitely hear from me. All right. Well, let me. Uh, let me play, uh, I'm gonna, well, certainly one, maybe two, and I've, I've got a feeling these, I, I'm actually put these up for argument's sake, they're going to be called uh, Ensemble. If, if, if Sliders and A-Team is Ensemble, this one is definitely Ensemble. My name is Sam Tyler. I had an accident and I woke up in 1973. Am I mad? In a coma? Or back in time? Whatever's happened, it's like I've landed on a different planet. Now maybe if I can work out the reason, I can get home. in here before it really jumps on me on this one uh, I do think there are also secondary characters in this one like the, the barkeeper one and the, the sergeant the uniformed sergeant that ends up uh, being pulled into the prison later on in the event so even if you assume that the main body is an ensemble there are some secondary characters here that play a significant part so uh, Mike do you want to come back on this one or should we let anybody else jump in? Well, I, I, if wow. Mike's not coming <laughs> well, I well, mean, they, just because there's a secondary character, that doesn't mean that that character is a sidekick. There is a difference between those two, surely. Well, the, the title is non-who sidekicks and secondary characters, not not ah, that are sidekicks. Sorry, it's not non-who sidekicks that are secondary characters. It's non-who sidekicks and secondary characters. If you look at the top of your page, if you're in the pro client, there's yeah. show titles there. 
Oh, it's just just like the the, the following series after that, the uh, Ashes to Ashes, where you've got uh, the the one. I was just trying to think of the policewoman. I've forgotten what her name is. Um, who's there? She starts off very much as a uh, secondary character, uh, and she doesn't really become. But then she becomes more of a psychic, and then part of the ensemble. More Lombarda, towards, she's called. Uh, she, yeah. Yeah, I can remember her real name, but her character yeah. name is what's slipping me at the moment, which is rather embarrassing. Uh, but as far as secondary characters, yeah. Um, both Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes literally had probably about two, and both of them, and one of them actually had the uh, the actual police sergeant was usually the, the connecting yeah, uh, yeah. secondary character in that, at least from my sort of point of view. Montserrat uh, Lombard. Montserrat Lombard, I'm trying to remember a character Chaz. name, that's Chaz. 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 Because the fact is that even despite, if you want to look at it properly, uh, you could actually say that uh, both uh, Ray and oh god no he's I'm a real good Chris. brain fart with Chris, uh, Chris, Chris and Ray were the sidekicks to Jean because That's they were this girl has put in yeah thank yeah you. because they basically weren't that bright uh, to be quite honest and you know it was they were always in the shadow of Jean and uh, the, the sort of the main sort of thing around it was the 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 uh, the way Jean and um, Ah, oh, I have a real brain fart today. Life on Mars, and Ashes, Ashes, the two characters, uh, Tom Tyler, and then later on, um, Bolly Nickers. Uh, <laughs> as <laughs> because it's basically it was it was Alex stories Drake. around yeah Alex Drake were basically around it's back around those two. So basically, you really did have uh, so Montserrat's character was definitely uh, a sort of uh, a psychic. On towards actually towards the end, not so much more. Uh, in in the last series of uh, Ashes to Ashes, definitely not anymore. Um, the way that ended up going, but um, up until series two of Ashes to Ashes, they were definitely all um, supporting characters and and sidekicks. Definitely Ray and Chris were definitely psych for me. Definitely sidekicks to Gene the whole time until it's quite literally series three of Ashes to Ashes uh, and then things start to change as soon as uh, Daniel May's um, character Jim uh, uh, came in uh, and started mixing things up. And which one was the nuns? Hmm? <laughs> which one, which was, one the was the nuns? <laughs> yeah. The wooden top. Yeah. yeah I top. think you still, your, vo your volume's still peaking a bit, Graham. Yeah, I keep turning up and down a bit, yeah. We'll talk either quietly yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, though uh, the one thing I'd like to say is, stay out of Campbellwick Green. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably my favourite bit. Now, Dave, at this point, I would like to bring in as a suggestion yes, uh, a subject that's uh, a favourite of yours, a favourite of mine, and a favourite of Mr. Ken Deeps. Now we've done Blake Seven. What's the other one? Well, it's, uh, for me, it's tripods, but I don't know whether that would be Exactly, <laughs> because then you do have uh, tripods, uh, the TV series. Um, definitely you have the psychic, because as most of it is, uh, it's, uh, um, goes around Will and his journey. And his cousin's only coming along for the ride, is basically a psychic. And basically there's only one character that's in every single episode, or almost every single episode, up towards the end. And it's the character of, of Will. 
and uh, so his cousin comes along for the ride, and then I forgot what the French guy's got. I'm having a real brain fight time today. Beanpole. Uh, Beanpole. Beanpole. Yeah, and I mean, most of these are only, these are only supporting characters uh, for the best part of it. It is quite literally uh, Will Parker's journey, uh, and uh, from from beginning to the end. Uh, despite that, we break off the series two. <sighs> Couldn't they just hold out for an extra extra series? It's just one extra series. It was just a third series. What did it want any more than that? There is only th- well, anyway. Side tracking. Uh, but it's you know his cousin Henry's not in every single episode though he he started getting more into it sort of towards the in the second series sort of thing, but uh, the fact that it's it's just Will's journey uh, up to the city of gold and um, the fact that he gets into the city of gold with the uh, with the um, with the false cap on as such so that would be my suggestion. Oh well, since you suggested it. side one that goes is a little bit like the uh, the one from the Lord of the Rings is a little bit like um, Frodo's friend a bit like Sam, Sam yeah. Yeah. it's the same role isn't it in a way uh, uh, well Henry's role uh, yeah. certainly um, he'd, I mean Henry didn't originally want to leave uh, and was ended up being controlled basically because they got into a situation they couldn't get out of otherwise so they had to both run away yeah um, but in the third part that they never showed his yeah. his role became more important, I think. Yeah, in the third part, then Henry turns round to be the hero, uh, or, or the, the main hero in the end, really, as such. Um, even though it's a bit on the sad side, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't get made. Um, even though at the moment it's still sort of flying around the film studios in sort of pre-production mode uh, towards a film. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Okay, well, let, let me move, unless anybody else wants to comment on that, shall we move along a little bit? And I'll play another one where I've got a suggestion, and here we go. Pixie dust. There's no mistaking it. Brunhilde is a pixie. It would explain a thing or two. Pixies have one weakness, which is for the more distinguished gentleman. What are you trying to say? Brunhilde has shown a certain interest toward me. She liked you? Oh, that is disgusting. Imagine it. Imagine she kissed you. Oh, Merlin! Pixies are the servants of the she. To them, Elena could be very valuable. I think Elena may be a changeling. Changeling? Inhabited by a fairy at birth. It would explain the clumsiness. And Elena has no idea there's things inside. And when the time comes, it will possess her entirely. And you think that time is now? 
She lived for more than a thousand years. They're patient people. It may be that they have created this change, knowing that Lord Godwin and the House of Pendragon would one day seek unity through marriage. That would give the she something they want more than anything. She queen. Yeah, I put this in, and I know it's going to cause controversy, because in the actual story as it plays out, not the actual actors and characters, in a way, Merlin is the sidekick to Arthur. But obviously that is not the case with the series as a whole. Um, is um, Gaia, Gaia... Is it Gainus? They said Gaia. Gaius. Then. Gaius. Is he Merlin's sidekick? Um, or, or do we think of some of the secondary characters like Guinevere and so on? I mean, do you have any thoughts on this one, Ian? Or would you say... This is no, falls into I, the ensemble one. Well, I'm it sure. Falls, on. It falls directly into an ensemble. This one, but uh, but Gaius isn't a, isn't a. Um, I mean, he's a supporting character, but not a sidekick. You know, you could uh, quite easily do the show without Gaius. Um, yeah. But he the is, difficulty, he of course, is that Merlin. Very good. Yeah. Merlin has to play the role of being Arthur's sidekick. You know, in the fictional sense, but that's not the way uh, we perhaps perceive it. Uh, I'm sure have I provoked Darth into coming on mic on this one. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say now because now you're throwing secondary characters in this. Everything has a secondary character. No, the time. Well, yeah. I, no, I'm well, just saying that. It does. Well, yeah. When but they're not the same. The they're totally different things. And yeah. you're throwing them together makes it like, oh, well, anything. I mean, we could look at any piece of fiction and find a secondary character. And we could. Well, but that's not in, the same in, thing as a sidekick. And so, well, in brackets. I don't know. But, I mean, within, but within Merlin, I mean, I don't know what. Who the, who the hell knows who. I mean, what's we'll the go with ensemble. Uther, Uther Pendragon is a secondary character. I mean, clearly the main characters are Arthur and and Merlin, and really everybody is secondary to them because that the legend surrounds those two characters. Um, but as for there being any actual sidekicks, I don't I don't think that they're really. Are. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that interestingly though, this is a story where. It is a part of the narrative that one of the characters believes that another one of the characters is their sidekick. Yeah, that was true. I, w- I was trying to poorly say that. Yeah, that yeah. was what I was trying to say. Which, which maybe makes this interesting. And, and that plays upon the fact that this is a very old story. Uh, it's an archetypal story uh, that serves as the basis for comic books. This is where you get the, the term sidekick anyway. Um, so it's it's interesting that uh, I don't even know how to say this. It's interesting that a story that is based upon an archetype is playing with the uh, the notions of that archetype within its own narrative. So it's clever in that regard. Right, right. Um, yeah, the 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 title of this show should really be "Non Who Sidekicks and Secondary Characters That We Love." I mean, obviously, you can't include every secondary character, but secondary, secondary characters who elevate themselves a little bit, and I, I think, I hope Ian will support me on this one, like the the sergeant at Life of Mars, the station sergeant, really was 
could have ended up being quite a, a forgotten character. Viv. For, for one guy. reason. Eh? Viv. Yeah, but, Viv. But he actually became more important uh, to the viewers uh, and his story was integral to only one part of it, but he was he was light, and therefore uh, he, he was elevated within the series, to my mind. Okay, does anybody yeah, else want... There's a definite plus on, on that one. I do definitely agree with you on that. Right. So I, I'm going to drop one more bomb, so to speak, on this one. And it's just because I was looking around at this. I've got piles and piles and piles of DVDs look, uh, lying around me. When you're done. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just happened to notice to my right-hand side, the Jeremy Brett version. I was like, oh, what haven't we mentioned? Well, Sherlock. Oh, I've got, yeah. I've got a couple of clips of that. Obviously his psychic, Mr. Watson, also Dr. Watson. Well, let's have a clip then. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Doctor, this is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. Pray resume your seat and tell me how I may serve you. Well, I am indeed a doctor. My name is Percy Trevelyan and I live at number 403 Brook Street. Aren't you the author of a monograph upon obscure nervous lesions? Yes, but I so seldom hear of the work I thought it quite dead. By no means. My publishers give me a most discouraging account of its sales. Um, you are yourself a medical man. Retired army surgeon. My hobby has always been the study of nervous disease. I should, of course, like to make it an absolute speciality. But a man must take what he can get first. However, the fact is that a singular train of events has occurred recently at my house in Brook Street, and tonight they came to such a head that I felt it was impossible to wait another hour before asking for your advice and your assistance. You are very welcome to both. Let me have a detail account of the circumstances which have disturbed you. Well, one or two of them are so trivial that I am almost ashamed to mention them. But the matter is so inexplicable and the recent turn it has taken so elaborate that I shall lay it all before you and you shall judge what is essential and what is not. I am a London University man and I am not unduly singing my praises when I say I was a very promising student. And it was thought a distinguished career lay before me. However, there was one great stumbling block. Money? Indeed, Doctor. Money. I needed capital not only to practice, but also to get out of the squalid rooms I was forced to rent. I could not expect my patients to trust me. And I'll stop it there. And a bit like me, really, I lay before you these things. It's up to you to decide what is important and what is not. <laughs> but uh, I've got a clip of the, the BBC one late, which I'll play when we conclude on Sherlock. I was hes hesitant to include it because it's not strictly sci-fi, but uh, since Graham brought it up, I had the clip ready. Go on, Graham. Sorry, <laughs> I thought you were going to play another clip there. Uh, no, no, I'll play, um, I'll play it when this... we finish this. Bit. Yeah. Can you pull I mean, your volume down a bit? Your volume's. I keep putting my volume down, and it's just like it can't go down don't, anymore. Don't, don't, don't get so excited then. <laughs> right, and um, we'll try that. That's brilliant. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, if you're going to go into this sort of thing, um, I mean, you couldn't really call them a superhero as such, but as for me, probably the original superhero, uh, and of course he has his psychic. I mean, it's not so much in the books. The books are written a bit differently. That uh, Watson is very much uh, Sherlock's equal in many ways, which is shown mostly to the uh, through the new TV series. But uh, 
definitely in the classic sense of the films and of course of as you just played there the uh, Jeremy Brett uh, um, ITV produced version from the 80s which I've got DVD um, Watson's very much the sidekick he's the one that's sort of um, looking up the, the little leads and, and bringing in the clues that um, Sherlock needs uh, there's only something like the Hound of the Baskervilles in the TV version where um, Watson himself is not really uh, really the sidekick as such um, uh, that uh, he's, he's working it out but Sherlock is there anyway um, to make sure he's on the right path well, it's there so, as a distraction, really, isn't it? So that Sherlock yeah. can go about his business without being properly, noticed. yeah, and working properly. And and probably the uh, the number of, I think it's the number four. The problem is when I get my DVDs, that mostly got German translations on the cover, which makes for a, a merry time trying to remember what the English names are. But all the same. Um, even in the ba uh, Basil, uh, especially, and this is probably where it comes from, the uh, Basil Rathbone movies, Watson's very much uh, not only a psychic, but probably uh, degraded to a secondary character, even, uh, which is a, is a fair shame, to be quite honest, because uh, the actual character Watson's such a ripe, um, uh, fulfilled character uh, characterization uh, that Conan Doyle originally brought out. So it. <laughs> It's, it's the fact that uh, where 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 films uh, where we've got to sort of draw the line between the film version and and the book versions uh, as such, but uh, definitely within the uh, the film versions and up until the recent series uh, came out, uh, Watson was definitely a secondary stroke um, um, sidekick character, at least in my eyes anyway. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I think Ian, go on in. Um, Willow Scrub, uh, puts in the, uh, in the Basil Rathbone version, uh, Watson's more of a bumbling sidekick, and Steve1961 Law says, I prefer this version. I think he put that in there while you were playing your clip there, Dave. Right. Yeah, that was yeah, the, the says, Jeremy uh, Britt version. smarter with the, the different Jeremy Britt version and onwards. Yeah, it's more open to interpretation how you play the Doctor, isn't it, really? <laughs> I guess 17 inches to mute you, there was an awful lot of background noise when I unmuted you, so just uh, put it the text when uh, we've got that under control. Yeah, uh, we're doing non-who sidekicks and secondary characters. Well, uh, Charlie's back in the room, and uh, Mike's been rather quiet, so do either of you guys want to come in on this particular one? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> oh, dear. I think you're losing the will to talk. Charlie, <laughs> I really do. It's, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a quiz, is it, Dave? <laughs> there's no points. There's no points involved. He's got no points involved. He's not interested. Right, if you can talk for one minute without repeating yourself, without pauses, oh, and no. without contradiction, you can win you 50 points. points. <laughs> All right, well, let me play <laughs> the, the clip from the BBC version, and that might prompt someone to come in the room. We might even get Willis Girl to come on microphone. So this is the from the recent one. Do you think he lost a lot of money? I mean, suicide is pretty common among city boys. We don't know that it was suicide. Come on. Door was locked from the inside. You had to climb down the balcony. Been away three days, judging by the laundry. Look at the case. There was something tightly packed inside it. Thanks, Al. Take your word for it. Problem? Yeah, I'm not desperate to root around some bloke's dirty underwear. Those symbols at the bank, the graffiti, why were they put there? 
some sort of code? Obviously. Why were they painted? If you want to communicate, why not use email? Well, maybe he wasn't answering. Oh, could you follow? Nope. What kind of a message would everyone try to avoid? What about this morning? Those letters you were looking at. Bells. Yes. He was being threatened. Ah, uh, Sergeant. Yeah, I know who you are, and I'd prefer it if you didn't tamper with any of the evidence. I phoned Lestrade. Is he on his way? He's busy. I'm in charge. And it's not Sergeant, it's Detective Inspector. I'll stop it there. So, uh, go on. Just listen, listen to that, Dave. There was also, I mean, the detective himself was also, you could call a secondary character, because he was a reoccurring character. Yeah. Lestrade. The fact is that the problem with, with this new, new definition of um, Sherlock, it goes more back to the books because of the way that uh, um, basically Moffat and... Um, uh, there's another name I keep forgetting. Uh, Mark, actually, uh, Mark Gattis actually work, and they they're really sort of men of detail. Uh, so they would be really going back to where the books originally were. Um, this this shows that Watson's never, as such, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, not any more a psychic or a secondary character. Um, but definitely uh, uh, the Lassard character, uh, um, <laughs> which reminds me of uh, Police Academy when I say it. But uh, the, the detective inspector is definitely uh, a definitely a secondary character and quite an important one uh, quite often. Okay. Um, I think it, Mike has something to add in on this one as he puts some stuff in the text chat. Yeah, come on, Mike. No, it's it's the whole idea of Watson being the sidekick or secondary character, and he's most definitely not. Because if you go back to the original stories that uh, Doyle wrote, the whole premise was that Watson was we were seeing everything through through Watson's eyes, and he was writing down Sherlock's story, and you were reading from his perspective. So, it, Watson's not not definitely not a sidekick in that regard. He's just as much a main character as uh, Sherlock. Well, look, as an in English lit uh, university guy, we should really call upon you. I mean, is is there any sort of definition of this within the literary world, even if not in TV and and, and movies? I mean, I mean, if your lecturer said to you, uh, write an essay on what's the difference between a sidekick. And the secondary character. I mean, is there anything? Is, is there any way you would approach that? Just to put you on the spot. Or as characters versus secondary characters, se- secondaries and, and supporting characters. You, whereas you've got the, the main characters, which are you know, where the, who the plot revolves around, and perhaps who the who the story's told told from. And sometimes you have like the first and third person perspective. And then you have the supporting characters, which are, you know, the people that are connected to, people that are friends of, or people that the main characters turn to. And in some stories, you even have characters beyond that tertiary and all sorts of background characters. Like uh, The Will of Time, for instance, has all sorts of secondary <laughs> and supporting and just... Within one minute, characters. do not mention The Wheel of Time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because if you start mentioning that, then I have to start mentioning Terry Pratchett in the Discworld. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, that's, okay. uh, that's how I would approach it from, the, from a literary perspective. Okay, and I just want to welcome in the room, uh, is it Davy B. B. Davy Boy. Davy Boy. Oh. Davy Boy. Oh, yeah, right. 
Uh, welcome. Long time listeners to the podcast. Just thought I'd register and say how much I enjoy listening. Well, thank you indeed for that. Remember, we have our blog at cultdom.com, and hopefully people who find this by accident somewhere will know that we have them all up on the iTunes feed. We've got uh, over 150 shows now, even though this one is bizarrely labelled episode 86, because we do the commentaries, studio shows, and late night drinkathons that goes extra shows. Even though some people are still waiting for us to do commentaries on Classic Who. <clears throat> yes, <clears throat> yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> a certain particular uh, un- unloved episodes from from your doctor's reign, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but Mike put it down quite what I was, exactly what I was on about uh, from as far as the uh, Sherlock was on about. Uh, you know that the original books, as far as I was concerned, the books themselves, uh, that Watson was never the the secondary or sidekick, it ended up coming through in the films in the end. That's where that came from. Okay, um, let me move along to another one, unless anybody wants to jump in quickly. Um, all right, here we go. I, I might not play all of it. I am Duncan MacLeod, born 400 years ago in the Highlands of Scotland. I am immortal, and I am not alone. For centuries we have waited for the time of the gathering, when the stroke of a sword and the fall of a head will release the power of the quickening. In the end, there can be only one. The, uh, and David Boy likes that being from Scotland. The, the person I'm thinking of as the sidekick here is Joe, who uh, is one of the watchers. Who uh, this is the TV series, obviously not the movie series. And uh, this is the following uh, uh, Duncan MacLeod, not Connor MacLeod. And it's uh, Joe that's uh, basically his watcher uh, that actually ends up becoming his friend. And the other person you could argue as a um, sidekick is Adam or Mythos and I hope that's not a spoiler connecting those two names together so um, and, and the, the, there's also the young Richie Ryan who starts off as a an ordinary mortal guy and I don't think it's too big a giveaway to say that um, he, he, he's taken under uh, um, the Highlander's wing because the Highl- uh, one of the things about these immortals is they can sense potentials ones that when they do die will become uh, like themselves. So there's certainly two or three that can be put forward. Now, I don't think Ian watches Highlander, and I'm not sure of those in the room that do. So if you're a Highlander fan and, and feel you want to comment on this particular one, please speak up. <laughs> I want to let somebody else go first. Well, you tried, Graham, so I'll let you go. <sighs> It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with the last, as the last character you mentioned there. Um, this is, he was definitely more psychic. I, I caught the first two series, but after that, unfortunately, due to me 
being military at the time, uh, didn't manage to catch the series proper as it went through. But um, yeah, the, the characters were coming and going, but it quite literally uh, Duncan, definitely the central uh, physical character there. Uh, though everyone else, I'd probably class them as secondary characters rather than sidekicks, really. Um, apart from oh, what was the last guy you mentioned? Richie, 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 because Richie was sort of, sort of the main sort of. Uh, and Amanda, Amanda was another one. The other, yeah, the female immortal, Amanda. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But uh, Richie definitely, because Richie was sort of the one that uh, that Duncan ended up pulling all over the place, uh, trying to get him to pull his socks up as such, really. Um, which is, you know, it's good. But to end this, I've only got one thing to say, Dave. What? Nash, your accent's kind of funny. Where do you come from? Lots of different places. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I, film. I, I think Adrian Paul was outstanding. I, I almost wished he'd mm. played uh, James Bond at one point. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, really, um, mm. I thought it was. But the Joe character, uh, I thought, was uh, really the sidekick because, of course, he was supposed to not interfere, and of course, he did. And there were other secondary characters that came along. There was the Claude that came along when they were in the French. One of the things about the Highland series was it was filmed both uh, mm. in Vancouver and in Paris, in which Paris, meant yeah. that each each season had. Uh, broke up, and of course there was Tessa uh, uh, in the first two series. Um, his um, his partner Tessa, who, well, you know it's the kiss of death when he suddenly decides he wants to marry her, and I won't say what happens to her, but you know it's not going to end well. And Ian, are you up to reading out what's in the text? I could do that. Um, guest eleven uh, puts in the text. The problem with trying to define sidekicks versus secondary characters is that writers do not create characters uh, who are shallow. Uh, rather, we attempt to create characters who fit a role and have depth and purpose and empathy. Uh, we want people to feel for them. A sidekick tends to be shallow and can be removed or switched without much harm to the overall story. Signed, Naomi, and I hope I get this right, uh, Pedowitz, a girl. Thank you. <laughs> right here. Um, right. right. Anybody want to anybody want to comment on Highlander before I move on to a fairly big franchise, which again may unfortunately come under the uh, the role of um, uh, an ensemble cast. Well, I was going to actually just let a joke fly, Dave, before you do. Um, <clears throat> you always had a secondary character every every week, didn't you? You had the rolling head of the week. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, you can't top that. Oh yes, you can every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, just on a similar theme, I, I want to mention another one before I play this clip. I haven't got a clip for it at the moment, and that was True Calling because um, if you remember the True Calling, um, uh, played by Eliza Dushku, I'm going to say that very carefully. Stop shooting. Yeah. Uh, which we said it wasn't a secondary character when she was playing Faith in Buffy. But she had her own show, and then there was the the mortician, the man with the beard, who who helped out. He was definitely her secondary uh, sciency type character. Uh, if there was another one to just appease um, Darth, if you, if we go back to the Flash series, uh, there was a Amanda, I can't remember her second name, but the really gorgeous girl that was uh, helping Flash out on uh, in his story, and then. Um, yeah, 
and then the pays right. And if you go back to um, the Invisible Man, the TV series Invisible Man, there was a, a female assistant that was helping him out. He had this snake tattoo on his arm that told him how, uh, about his drug wearing off. And he also had another, he was actually a policeman as well, and he had another bald-headed uh, uh, policeman that was his sidekick in that. But I'm going to go to a big franchise now, and uh, I think you'll know who it is. And of course, I can't have clips for everything that comes up, but I do my best. And uh, Ian, let me let you, you. I think you should have the floor. Harry Potter is that an ensemble cast, or do we have Harry and his sidekicks? Uh, hmm. I don't want to give you an easy one. Difficult <laughs> <laughs> one. Not having. Don't want to well, who? Uh, on it, all right. <laughs> who's the biggest? Who's the biggest uh, Potter fan in the room, other than Graham? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. That would be We're Graham. Back then. To Graham. <laughs> yeah, it would be me again. Ah, oh, no, I hate coming to swamping shows, but hey ho, nobody else is to speak. I shall. Oh, da- uh, Michael, coming after you then. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, well, the fact for me that uh, it's just the, the fact that the, the Potter world is full. Of uh, there are a couple of main characters. Oh, hello. Uh-oh. I lost you. And I didn't shut him up. Honestly, we didn't mute him. Go on, Don't Mike. You come in. And, yeah, Mike. Do you want to come in until Graham comes back? And I'll just type in. I think I know where he was going with that. That that the wizarding in the Harry Potter books, you've got the the wizarding world and the the, the Muggle, the human world, and uh, both of them. There's a large, a large cast of unnamed characters, basically. You've got the, the main characters, Harry, Hermione, Ron, and the different professors, and Dumbledore. You've got the villains, Voldemort. But And uh, it, just there are all these characters in the background, these all the classmates at Hogwarts, and just the, the different characters that uh, that are in like one or two books and come and go. Well, what about Hadric? Would he be a secondary character? Hadric? Is, is he called Hadric? The big tall one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he would be not not that he wouldn't be a main character because the books aren't talking aren't focusing on him. He would be a secondary character because he's he's there to 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 give advice and to 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 hear Harry's story and uh, you know help him out along the way. So he, he'd be a secondary character. Okay, and what about the moaning mini one, the one in the toilet? Oh, so what she's got? No, that that just that would just be a one-off car- character, not, okay. not really even a, even a secondary character. Okay, uh, so can you can you split them up into a nucleus? I mean, obviously Hermione and um, the 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 boy. I've forgotten the name Ron. of the boy. Ron, Hermione and Ron are the sidekicks, and then you've got other. Is everybody else secondary characters after that or not? 
Or do the, can the teachers be... They can't be sidekicks of the teachers, can they? Dumbledore can't be a sidekick. He, if, if anything, um, Dumbledore would be the, the mentor. It's, you know, look yeah. at the past All episodes right. of our show where we were talking about yeah. mentors. Uh, we clearly identified him as a mentor in the series. And, uh, yeah, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are definitely the main characters. They're, well, of course, Harry's the, the main of those of the, the trio, but the books really focus on those three characters and their journey through the seven years at Hogwarts. And the, the different professors are, of course, the secondary characters as, you know, of course, they're teaching lessons, and Harry goes to several of the teachers through the books for advice and sometimes and of course and of course you throw in an antagonist there too because uh Voldemort likes to throw in his own lackeys in the professors especially the uh, dark defense against the dark arts position <laughs> yes yeah that's that's how you would split that up between main characters supporting characters and the antagonists uh, right uh, and of course with her, with the with the film sorry we also have like cameo parts, which oh, is yeah. a, a different show altogether, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm just looking in the chat here. What Willow Scroll is saying, uh, Hedwig could uh, now be a sidekick. Um, uh, Hedwig doesn't really do much except just to deliver letters and such, so she doesn't really do that much. Uh, Remus Lupin has a secondary character. I would agree there, and. Uh, just looking at what Davy Boy writes in, as well as the sidekicks for Harry, there are all sorts of sidekicks, well, stooges and servants for Voldemort. David Tennant played one. Yes, he played Barty Crouch Jr. there at the end of uh, Goblet of Fire, which was a, pretty much a cameo appearance. So, yeah. Okay. It's great. Was that Graham coming back in? Yeah, sorry, my sound dived out. I'll lose my Wi-Fi after now for some secure reason. Uh, where did I leave off? <laughs> oh, uh, we were, were so about, riveted. <laughs> you were talking about the, the just the vast world of characters and the yeah, you hardly yeah. got into it. Yeah, uh, the, the fact. Okay, that uh, so you missed out on me doing Ron. Hello. Uh, hello. Well, it sounds yeah. as though we're having a few. Ian's yeah. put in the text that he's having audio issues, so it yeah. may well be that we're having. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had to put a show up and I had to knock out um, over 30 minutes of the show because of uh, various things. So, unless Ian comes back on audio, I think what we ought to do is just wrap up. Mike mm -hmm. or Graham, can you each have a, one last word on Potter? And then we might bring everybody to their thoughts of anything we've missed out, and then we'll bring the show to a close. Mike, go first. I'm just noticing something else that uh, Willis Girl was mentioning. Uh, Dobby the house elf, definitely. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, the second secondary character maybe he doesn't appear in that many of the books. It's uh, what the third book onwards that he starts appearing in. Uh, so he's he he appears occasionally, not enough to be a secondary character, but uh, he does play a prominent role in the last book, at least the first half. So. And I wouldn't really consider him a secondary character. Just a sort of a supporting one that appears occasionally. Okay, and Graham, briefly. So, let's see if we get that. Get me there? Yeah, we Hello? can hear you. We can hear Good. you. Super. So, yeah, um, definitely for me, uh, as far as uh, psychics go, uh, in Harry Potter, obviously, um, very, very obviously for me, uh, Ron is definitely the sidekick. Um, the Bumble, especially if you look at the second film, 
um, as as a good example of of him being psychic the whole time, and the fact that in the uh, the latest, well, in part se- in the seventh film, part one, um, he's very much shown through the um, through the Horcruxes that he is very much the sidekick, and that he is very much under um, under Harry uh, as far as things are concerned. So yeah. Uh, very much in that case, but uh, each of the there's the groups within Harry Potter that have their sidekicks. Like I say, the Dra- uh, Draco Malfoy has his his group. Uh, Wormtail is the sidekick to Voldemort practically because he's just basically his hand uh, handmaiden, so to speak. So, yep, that's about it. Okay, well, just for those people listening to the recording later, we're just hitting upon some audio problems. Ian, who's running the actual. Uh, call today is experience audio things so um what what we will do is that i will just ask everybody uh if if they feel as though there's any uh franchise or group that we've we've missed out as an obvious uh one uh and then we'll we'll wrap up sorry if that's a little bit of a quick termination but we have been going two and three quarter hours we do have two reports of galley within the show so there's lots of goodness there for you all to listen to um, I'll just take this opportunity, just in case Ian can get back in. He's not really in the show at the moment. Maybe he can get back in. Um, next week will be episode 87, and we're going to do voice-over actors, something that got mentioned a show a couple of weeks ago, where there used to be jobbing actors that did voice-over. Think Mel Blanc. Uh, and then from um, Chicken Run onwards, and uh, in actual fact, I think the first one was probably Aladdin, with um, the com- the comedy Robert actor Williams. Robert Williams, oh, and that was Ian. Um, that started the trend of them having uh, big name actors doing voiceovers on animated films. So we'll be doing that next voice week. Acting, uh, voice acting, voice voiceover guys out of work, bastards. Right, exactly. So that's going to be a nice contentious show. We're going to get the uh, the blood running on that one, and then episode eight. That will be the twenty seventh of February, by the way. Uh, episode 88, uh, the week after that, will be Kids in Sci-Fi and Child Actors, which is one of the reasons why I haven't talked about Sarah Jane Adventures as being a, a sidekick one today. Uh, and the only one I want to mention before I ask the people in the room to save Ian's audio is um, I would have perhaps mentioned Crime Traveller, which um, had um, uh, the main policeman chap and a young detective but I'm not too sure whether that was really something that we haven't yet said it was basically a two-hander show where you could argue that both people with the um, uh, of equal um, merit uh, and other shows like that of course would be Sapphire and Steel and uh, Randall and Hopkirk Deceased um, where I suppose in Randall and Hopkirk Deceased you could mention uh, Randall's wife uh, played by the very beautiful young lady who played uh, Morgoose in Merlin. She's playing um, a um, in Silent Witness. When I do tell anybody, try and catch the latest series of Silent Witness. It's been absolutely fabulous. And her name... Oh, why should it... For, why should that go off my mind at the moment? I'll have to look it up because I've got to get her name in. <laughs> Brain fart time. Come on, uh, Charlie. What's her name? Morgoose, she played. I'll get it know. in a minute. Right. Ooh, I flunked him. Let's have a quiz. 
Can we have a quiz, Mike, while he's in a bad mood? Okay, um, <laughs> let's go point. around the room. Uh, just to jump, um, let's go to Mike. Anyone that you noticed we missed out? Hmm. Well, just something that I could, uh, that, that I'm uh, uh, thinking of that Darth would have a lot to say about, and that's the various sidekicks and characters in the comic book universes of Marvel and DC, which I personally don't know anything about. So. Uh, okay. Uh, well, while we that's a whole different topic entirely. So. <laughs> Amelia Fox was the actress I was thinking of. Um, absolutely brilliant in Silent Witness and more. What's your name? Hey. The ten points for Dave. For Thank you. Uh, well, I like it. I like it. Darth, You're we, must have, we <laughs> must have missed quite a few shows that you could have put forward, but you've been slightly reticent to come forward today. Who's that, me? Darth. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, not, not really. Oh, I, right. No, Are you I mean, a, a not, bit unsure? Go on. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit unsure about the whole topic. I don't really. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. We I mean, there play. there are there are historically, surely there are historically sidekicks. That's that's you know what comics traded off of in um, certainly the golden age and into the silver age, uh, but after that, I mean, that began to be seen as something passe, and so that was largely rooted out of comic books uh, but we still have this sort of memory of that being true maybe because you know maybe because of the Batman 60s television show which has had a life that it, it in a sense doesn't deserve it's had a life much longer than what it uh, really had um, like it's actually but, playing on Hub at the moment yeah, well yeah and they keep playing in um, in the UK especially Batman the Batman series is still very current in the UK. There's some there's some network that continues to play it. Um, here it's a little bit more sporadic. Here there's some rights issues that have prevented it from being released in DVD, and so therefore it hasn't got a new generation of fans with it. But I think it, it does have a new generation of fans in the UK. Um, but, you know, uh, in the television for the last 30 years has been reacting against this idea. And even in Doctor Who, you can't really call a companion anymore the sidekick. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just, it's really hard for me to get my brain around what we're talking about. I understand that. Uh, not that you have difficulty with your brain, but it's difficult. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that, by the way, Ian, that you haven't mentioned, uh, Penfold is one of your sidekicks. Somebody actually did bring it up, and he's a definite sidekick. Oh, chief! Oh, crabs! Oh, crabs, chief! <laughs> All right, kids. <laughs> he's, Sorry, the the wine's it. really getting to him, folks. Yeah, I haven't had any. I can't. I'm not allowed to drink any at the moment. Can't drink alcohol at the moment. You can't Having drink because your you bottom's sore. I mean, that's a bit <laughs> No, because you, he's talking it. out of his arse. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol thins the blood, guys. That's why I can't take aspirin either. Not good for wounds. He's, he's, putting, boy, the, uh, he's putting the aspirins in the wrong place, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, no, no. Well, who's getting blue now, Dave? 
If I might have everybody's attention, Davy Boy mentions that uh, on um, ITV4, uh, Batman has actually been shown uh, in the UK. And uh, it also brings up that uh, we didn't actually mention the Indiana Jones film. In short round, definitely sidekick. What is whip? Think? Short round? Yeah. No. Short round's not a sidekick. No. Slave his whips man. may be a sidekick, but. <laughs> no, he's 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 fully, you know, a character. He's a co-star of the film. He's one of the three main characters. Mm. I mean, you might not like him. You might not think he has as much, uh, you know, development as as. I don't know who would you call um, Henry Jones Senior maybe in the next movie, um, but he's not—he's not fully a sidekick, not really. I mean, sidekick be the closest is an thing entire to a sidekick cipher. in all of the movies. Okay, I'll give you that. Really, I mean, to me, a sidekick is somebody who is is by and large a cipher. I mean, they might have a little bit of background detail, maybe. But by and large, they are there to do what companions in old Doctor Who did, which is to feed lines. And and that's about it. Get trouble. Uh, right. But, it, but see, you can't really tell the story of Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom without a child character being the sidekick, because it's ultimately a story about child abuse. Right. So... You have to, even though we might not like that character, you know, we might not feel that, you know, great emotional connection to it. Without him to get into the level of the victim in the story, we don't, we don't have anything, you know. Right. So he's valuable. It's just, it's just that you couldn't take him really and put him into any other Indiana Jones story. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, one of the ultimate sidekicks is it. Is it Cato? Where am I thinking the Cato? Green, Green Hornet. Hornet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Green Hornet, yeah. That would be the ultimate sidekick, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't know what Darth would think, but for me, Cato, yeah, Cato's more of his own character because without Cato, Green Hornet doesn't work. That's right. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Cato is like actually the first reaction against the sidekick. Cato is the anti-Robin, very much, explicitly the anti... In fact, uh, certainly on TV at least. Um, well, I, I mean, I don't know. If we went all the way back to the radio Green Hornet, you might have a point, maybe. Uh, but certainly, starting with the televised Green Hornet, the whole point of that Cato, you know, Bruce Lee Cato, yeah. is is definitely that Bruce Lee's the star and, you know... Green Hornet is the front man, but he's not the brains of the operation. Mm. You know, he's the man with he's the Green Hornet himself is the man with the money. Uh, Kate is mm. the one with all the moves and the brains, basically, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. But that's uh, that's really your start. I mean, at least in terms of comic book conversions into other media of spinning the idea of. Uh, the paradigm of the of the sidekick around. Uh, yeah, and, the, and, you, and you, get more, you get it more. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, I I, I, I say it because I thought 
Um, in the UK, if you go back to the Eagle comics, I suppose Digby, Digby is uh, yeah. Dan Dare's sidekick. That was one of the early ones. Oh, yeah, quite. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's fairly stereotypical. And that's, you know, quite comparable to things that were going on in the U.S. at the same time. I mean, there was that was, you know, a, a storytelling convention for years and years and years. But, you know, honestly, you start hitting about the time, late 60s. And that's just not enough for people anymore, you know, because they've seen that now, not just in science fiction, but they've seen it endlessly in Westerns, in the United States at least. I mean, Mm. the whole idea of there being, you know, one guy and then the other, another guy underneath him, that's just, you know, two guys riding across the plane, boom, that is very typical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or even to an extent... You know, uh, you know, Gunsmoke guys, um, Matt Dillon and yeah. whoever, Kitty or whoever, what's the guy, Festus, I guess is his name. Um, you know, at Rawhide you see that. You see that in all of the um, Westerns, but then you get this movement in in Bonanza that it's no longer enough to have a sidekick that, you know, you're going to have four guys now and they're all pretty much equal. And, um, even characters that are somewhat secondary, like Sheriff coffee or, um, to an extent, even pop Singh, they have something to bring to the table. That's more than just, Oh, Mr. Cartwright, you're funny or whatever. You know, they have actually something to, to bring to the narrative. Um, and, and that same thing starts to happen in Star Trek, uh, starts to happen in, um, uh, like, police shows, too. So that by the time you get to things like the Rockford Files, which is a little bit later, admittedly, it's in the 80s, or you get to Remington and Steel, um, you've got a, surely a strong central character who usually is an actor that's had some success before, and you're just bringing him back because they've got name recognition. So, you know, James Garner or... or what's her name, played Jessica Fletcher, or, um, uh, I don't know, or, or J- Dick Van Dyke, or whatever. Um, yes, they are the central character, but the people that are around them are not just ciphers anymore. They are, um, you know, uh, James Garner's father in that show, Rocky. Like, he's not just a sidekick. He's, you know, a wise man that you are coming to see and that has you know, some, some good advice to impart, not just, you know, backing you up in an alley. Um, and then you got, uh, you know, Dick Van Dyke in Diagnosis Murder as um, his son. I forget, I don't, I don't really watch the show, but I know enough to know that his son is in that show and his son plays, you know, a secondary sort of um, medical investigator, but it's not just, you know, a minor guy. Or the guy in Quincy, the, the, the guy that's in Quincy's laboratory. Sam. Um, Sam. Yeah, like he's like, that's actually a really good part. It, I mean, it might have seemed to have been just the answer man in the lab or whatever, but there's a little bit more to that part. And that was like one of the first really good Asian-American parts, better probably than Sulu was. And those are roughly contemporaneous, maybe a, a few years later. Um, but the point is, around the 60s, around the time of the Green Hornet and 
the Batman show and Star Trek or whatever, that's when across all genre you start to see it's not enough to just have somebody there to feed you lines. You've got to give them something to do. And I don't know if that really comes from the thirst of the American audience. And let's face it, in, in terms of monetary figures, the American audience is the one that drives television around the world and, and the paradigms of television around the world. Um, I, I don't know if it's because the audience started to thirst for that sort of thing or if it's because um, you know, the agents of the actors actually started to have some sway and say, look, no, you won't get this guy back uh, unless you give them more money. And, you know, that that had a little bit of pull because, you know, you started to get merchandising in and people started to be, you know, as familiar with, uh, you know, Dano in Hawaii Five-0 as they did with the Jack Lord character. Um, and so pulling that character out would have been, you could have done it, but was it really worth losing people who turned into the show for the backup guy as opposed to the main guy. And so suddenly people had a lot more clout, I guess, behind the scenes, and they could argue for better parts, you know, within the narrative. So, I don't know. Anyway, you, you started to see a big sea change in most of the, you know, with the exception maybe of Dave, no offense, but, you know, within the lifetimes of most of the people who are in this podcast, we haven't really been in sidekick land ever yeah. in our oh, yeah. lives. It's an evolving thing. They have to. Yeah. Um, and and it, I put a couple of things in text that Ian's quite rightly uh, questioned. There were a couple we'd left off these two lists. One I mentioned was Mystique from X-Men. But we're not really doing movies. We are doing really TV ones. But the other yeah, one I, I would at least give. Yeah. My answer to that was only in the movies. But even then, no. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, well, I, I find that's never fine. been a, a sidekick. Um, yeah. uh, but she was in lucky. Backtrack, backtrack yeah. over. Uh, we finally managed to engage Darth. <laughs> um, yeah. But David Boy added in during during that conversation. Uh, it's a broad topic. It's almost too broad. We've heard that before. <laughs> to focus, <laughs> uh, it's too hard to focus on the specifics. Uh, and David Boy also added, uh, in another time and place, Cato would have been the star, not the Green Hornet. Uh, also added the Magnificent Seven, uh, much more an ensemble piece than just Joel Brenner and six others. Right. And and Willis goes replied to the other one I put in was Doyle from Angel. Um, I mean, uh, Angel became an ensemble thing, but uh, in the original part of uh, Angel, Doyle was his connection to the... Uh, the other realm. He was the one that actually had the visions that that, that prompted Angel to go out and uh, try and save and help people. Because, of course, the whole premise of Angel was he'd moved away from Buffy and uh, he was trying to sort of make up for all the uh, terrible things he's done over his 400 years of life. Uh, and Doyle connected up with him, and he was his um, his uh, conduit, as they called it, to um, you know the upper beings and. Um, uh, without spoiling it too much, the Cordelia Chase character, the charisma carpenter actress, um, uh, she ended up taking over that role. But um, I think he was definitely psychic. And I think um, perhaps Willis Girl agrees with me. She says, I still miss Doyle. And one other point added in by uh, Davy Boy is that many psychics in older films and TV series really existed for the hero to be able to talk, you know, 
uh, more than uh, for any plot reasons, you know. All yeah. right. I think we've uh, done this one to death there, Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, when you when you were having trouble getting your audio uh, back in, um, I was I saying that Greg uh, logged in in two places. I realise that. I realise that. We we. I mean, I take it that Tim is self muted. He he doesn't no, need I to come in on. No, I have him He's not actually here. Are you? Tim? Right. Okay. All right. Okay, don't then. Don't know why uh, he's still logged in, but you know. I think I I just while you were doing that. I'd asked Darth to see if we'd missed anything out from his point of view. I think we only really have to ask Mike and Charlie um, if if there's anything we've missed from them. I think Graham's had a good go at it, so perhaps oh, with yes. those two, with those two, we might wrap up. So, uh, which wants to go first, Charlie? Uh, well, I mean, I don't really have that much. To, to add about this, the only one that I can think of is the um, the bots from Mystery Science Theater 2000. They're basically there just to keep um, with either Joel or Mike company, so they can watch these terrible movies. But, but uh, other than that, I'm I'm done. Okay. Way to slip Minnesota in there. Thanks, Charlie. Of course, of course. <laughs> Represent. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So, Mike? Thanks for mentioning MST3K there, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) MMPO. No, no. Speed was the sidekick. MMPO was the uh, main focus. (laughs) 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 Well, Mother Mother was a secondary character, was he? Mother? Oh, hang on, I'm getting... Mother? Yeah, Mother. Mother, it was Mother, mother once, yeah. That was, that was what, uh... Ooh, that was late on. Who was... Uh, the, the 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 plump actor who played Mother, they... I know, that would get stupid. That's when it started going awry. Yeah, Mother oh, was mostly in Tara King era. Yeah, Tara right. King era. Loved Tara King, hated the whole Mother thing. That was just... There are, I think, a couple of um, MMPL episodes, late MMPL, where mothers around. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. It was one of those things that just never really needed the the person to send them on missions, etc. Uh, it was just sort of the idea of trying to bring in a sort of a Q, not a Q, uh, M-like character, um, which obviously, well, didn't seem to spark with many people. Right. Um, yeah. Side uh, Bob was the one who started off this conversation, saying Emma Peel. Uh, Davy Boy also adds in uh, Ego from Frankenstein. Uh, Charlie B says Ego was in Son of Frankenstein, and he wasn't a sidekick. Well, actually, why am I reading out Ch- Charlie? Why am I reading out text from <laughs> <I don't> you? <laughs> five points deducted. Five points deducted. It's yeah. But yeah, he, I mean, his his whole his whole deal with that was that he used um, the monster for his own revenge, for his own means, because you know he got because um, they hanged me once, and then he became a hunchback, and so he used the monster for his for revenge. So he's not psychic. Maybe Fritz from the first, uh, you know, the, the James Well 1931 version. Yeah, he would probably be a psychic. But other than that, 
Okay. Right. And do, do you want do you yes, me to play do. the outro? Yes. Okay. Yes, because I've lost the motion and everything. So. Right. Yeah. It's all on you, dude. <laughs> Oh, all right, that about wraps it up for us. As we are talking, Podshock has now taken the stage at Galley 22. Woohoo! And, uh, so, oh, Louis. Uh, so, so we're out of here. Everybody everybody off to the Galley hashtag. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're glad people who weren't at Galley could join us, and some that were, of course, uh, managed to, uh, to dial in and uh, let us know what was going on. And as Mike says, we still don't know who the guests are. And uh, we're just being joined by guest 18 a little late because we're about to close out the show, sir, or ma'am. Um, and I'm about to go shopping at Walmart. I'd leave such an exciting life at, outside of this show, I know. <laughs> Are you off to buy a wall, then, Ian? What's that? You have to buy a wall. You have to Walmart. Yes. Actually, I'm going to go buy cheap wine. Because there's commentaries afoot. Ha ha. Ha classic. There will be. There'll be there'll be uh, commentaries. Uh, Mike will be rejoining us in the commentary uh, box tonight, and uh, we'll see the fruits of that a little later. Hopefully, uh, all of you uh, are now glad that we've finished off our uh, Jekyll commentaries. We've got all caught up. If there's any other shows out there aside from Doctor Who that uh, you'd like us to pick up on an episode or two into a commentary. Basically, yes. us drinking while we watch TV is really what it amounts to. Uh, it's, not really much, it's not really much intelligent commentary. Uh, <laughs> it's just drinking and watching TV. So, if you enjoy listening to drunk people watch TV, then wear your thing. Yeah, and one thing, if there's any people in the room that watch other than science fiction, just to tell you, and I know Darth's a culture freak, that the new series starts on BBC Tonight, at 9pm, it's already start. Well, it's already over. South Riding, a period drama, but it's a three-part series, and it has the uh, the brilliant actress that was in um, Bleak House, whose name escapes me at the moment because I haven't got my Radio Times to hand. Um, Caught with the uh, Radio Times. Anna Maxwell Martin, <laughs> and it has David Morrissey in it as well. So Ooh. that's going to be watched. It's called South Riding. So get your uh, legitimate downloads sorted. Pen, yes. pen, pen. Pen. Pen Oh, crap. <laughs> All right, that about wraps it up for us. Actually, that does wrap it up for us. None of this about. Indeed. Uh, so before Dave plays the outro, since I'm cap- incapable of doing so, I'd like to thank everybody in the room. That's Charlie B 79 and Dara Skeptical. Dave AC, of course. Uh, Graham, the second of Sheridan, Randall Thor. What? Bye. What? What? Bye. Troublemaker. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, also, like to thank uh, uh, Tim, who was in here earlier, uh, reporting live from Galley, and also Benjamin Elliott. And, of course, joining us down in the text chat still, hanging out, is Cybob, uh, Willis Girl, and joining us late, but much appreciated, is Davy Boy. Feel free to come back soon, and, uh, yeah, we'll try and get you in on... Uh, on voice next time if you're not too shy. <laughs> Happy 25th birthday to the legend, the of, legend Zelda. of Zelda. Which can you Liam's guess who put watched... that in the? Can you guess yeah. who put that in text? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan buddy. Morris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before this gets out of control completely, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye.
Goodbye.